Dude, when I was in college, we we could get a we could get a twenty four rack for seven dollars of Natty Bo. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, dude, it was. Super That's I mean, that was like forty five years ago. Welcome to do check this out a music podcast um as you can tell with the quarantine we've all lost our minds just a touch but we got luke we got jordan we got mark and i'm rob all of hambone relay speaking of hambone relay please go to facebook twitter instagram all the places and go give us a follow and a like or a subscriber yada 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 you know the deal um we wish we were touring right now actually I think as of Friday, we would have been on our big Southern tour. Is that right? Yeah, this this coming Friday. This coming Friday, we would have been on a Southern tour. So we're sad about that. So if you can, make us happy and go buy some T-shirts. Go buy some vinyl on our website, handbonerelay.com. And you can but always don- donate on Venmo, too. You know, we're, yeah. we're not, <laughs> no shame. <laughs> and we've got some new music dropping soon, too. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah. That's right. Tons of new music, guys. Featurettes and uh, some new original stuff, guys. We've been recording from home. It's been a good experience. Mark Brown's killing it on the mixing game. We just heard a mix oh, yeah. of a of something special. I literally Actually, they stare have. at my computer 17 hours a day. It's great. <laughs> yeah, but look, at, but you're doing great work, bro. You're killing it. Thanks. I'm having fun, even though I'd rather be on the road. I'm having fun. Right, right. Well, and at least we get, we're able to get together online, and we're going to do the top 10 albums of the 2000s. Each one of us has 10 through, uh, well, 10 albums that we think are the top 10 records of the 2000s. And I have a couple friends who sent me their list, so we'll have a couple other lists as well. So just to clarify, this is 2000 through 2009, right? Not yes. 2010. That's the next decade, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. 2010s correct. includes 2010. Hey, man, math, bro. All right, math, let's do bro. it. Let's do it. All right, so I guess I'll go first. Uh, let me see here. My number 10 is Kanye West, Late Registration. My man. Um, if it was like the top 20, Kanye easily would have had four albums in the top 20. Um, his 2000s were the most prolific era for him. It's insane. All these songs that are on these records, I'm pulling it up real fast because uh, I got it for it's you. It's just insane. Oh, it's right here. Uh, Wake Up Mr. West going into Heard Him Say with Adam Levine singing the chorus is like one of the best opening tracks of the 2000s. And then on top of that, like Lupe Fiasco with Touch the Sky, that that um, track that's playing behind it is amazing. Great songs. It's not a best album, but there's so many great songs like dispersed throughout the record that it had to be in my top 10. Well, I mean, he does. I mean, he brought... I think he brought like Ray Charles back to people that may have forgot about Ray Charles with his gold digger with Jamie Foxing and that, you know, that, that Ray Charles line. He's right. Got, he's got a Bill Withers song on there. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't Ray what? on the record. Was it, was it um, Jamie Fox or was it Ray? No, it's in the video, Fox. it's Jamie Fox. It's, Jamie, it's no, it's Jamie Fox is singing it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's the name of the record again? Uh, late registration. It's a uh, it's a great album. Lots of great uh, guests sitting in. It's probably one of my favorite uh, 
albums like the guest selection that's that are on the record like it's very eclectic it's not just like all hip-hop or all like yeah he's hard got rap brandy the game common jamie fox lupe fiasco adam levine cameron consequence paul, it's a great record paul wall nas jay-z like yeah yeah it's a fantastic record uh yeah, if really if i get if, if i had enough room i'd have another kanye record on here it was just a hard fight for like the the five through yeah. ninth plates i actually um, agree with you actually that's my number 10 good one what 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 about kanye and that record specifically is most attractive to you the the melodies and the uh the lyricism it and, lyricism, and the production is like crazy like his his beats yeah. are phenomenal um all the bass lines are all real bass lines it's no it's there's no like synth bass or anything like he did hire like a lot of band stuff but he also like i think he made all these drum beats himself i wouldn't cool. be surprised on, the, the rec- on, the, on this record um this was my, easily one of the records i played all the time throughout uh middle school and high school easily this is what his his second record yeah yeah. Um, what is he? Uh, what was the year? It was 2005. 2005. So it would have just been high school for me. What does he like sing about a lot and rap about a lot? What, is, what subject matter he, he talks about a lot? Well, he talks a lot about his uh, his mom a little bit in the back half, but in the first half, he talked a lot about like uh, becoming the best and uh, ascending the um, the line of uh, becoming better, at least with Touch mm-hmm. the Sky. Um, heard him say, I don't remember the lyricism, but when I listen to it, I, if I need to listen to it again to give the exact uh, description, Jordan actually is probably the better person to ask. Yeah, Wikipedia has like a, a very interesting description of like the lyrical content, and it's more not necessarily the content, but like who he was inspired by for each song, which is mm-hmm. kind of really like cool to think about because I don't think that I like that I think about that. Like, I think I just have my, my influences yeah. and all of my writing is always influenced by those people. Um, but I mean, he's talking about Will Smith, Jada kiss. Um, he, uh, a big part of, so yeah, the, a lot of the, the content and the base of all of the lyrics is all about crack cocaine <laughs> and nice. not like him doing it but like the effect on the uh like black culture and humanity in the 80s and he was like basically cool. like uh socio political like crack music but that's like i never would have fucking guessed that but that's kind of cool yeah and he, cool. And yeah, he, I've heard- he like gave a shout out to like rockefeller family for putting out so much good music like via jay-z and jay-z was like one of the first rappers to pick kanye west up and put him on tour with jay-z and that's kind of like what put him mm. put him forward yeah i've heard so many people hold him in such high regard i've never really listened to him or i've never heard that i don't, I don't listen to kanye, kanye west, west anymore i don't listen to him anymore i think he's a fucking asshole um but the early days he was like he was a I, I listened to three or four records of his. That's it. I do not listen to the new stuff. It's mostly the early stuff that I really enjoy. And most of it's just for the um, uh, the throwback effect, you know, like what, what I felt in my childhood when I listened to it. Yeah. Sure. You know? sure. Um, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. I've always been a hip hop fan. And like, I remember when he first started and like 
it was it was not any bullshit like it was really it was kind of like the conscious rap of like what the west coast felt like or the yeah you know like the old school east coast stuff was um when there was a lot of really bad rap he felt more like hip-hop um and this this record is like the epitome of that all right luke what's your number nine buddy mine is the number (laughs) (laughs) quarantine buddy numbers the the deep end by government mule it's a well it looks like it was it's actually i have a three disc thing so it's two volumes and then a live thing i thought that was all released at once but when i was reading about it i guess they were Volume one was released in 2001 and then volume two was in 2002. But for the sake of this, we'll just say it's one thing, I guess, because I didn't, I didn't know. That's, that's but, a great record, man. Yeah, it's the first record, record after uh, Alan Woody died. And I was reading today that they were talking about Warren Haynes and Matt Adams were talking about break, breaking the band up. But uh, I guess they decided not to. And this record is kind of like an homage to him. And they used a bunch of bass players that, he admired and that he liked a lot. And um, who's on? Who's cool. on that? What bass players? Do you, uh, Les Claypool Jack, is on sorry, it, right? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Jack Bruce is on it. Oteil Burbridge, Bootsy Collins, Damn. John Entwistle, Flea, Mike <laughs> Gordon. Yeah, there's so many fuck. Chris Wood and uh, John Schofield are on a track. Damn. Awesome. Yeah, so it's pretty. I remember Mike Gordon from the Fish. From the- <laughs> <laughs> In high school, kind of getting into this and there's they do a a uh grand funk cover on it sends a good man sends a good man's brother or something like that and uh that was kind of my entrance so that one's mine that's a solid number 10 all right mark brown mark brown my number 10 is uh southern rock opera by the drive-by truckers Oh, so it's just loud balls out rock and roll. And the subject matter is cool because they touch on Leonard Skinner and and politics and just like the history of rock and roll. And I love I fucking love early drive by truckers like that's this is their third. This was their third record. And that was they were like in their prime. At that that's when uh, what's the name was still in the band? Uh, Not Patterson Hood. Yeah. No, no, Jason. He, it was Jason. Isbell, oh, Jason. Jason he? Isbell. Yeah, Jason Isbell was still in the band then. I think. Yeah. Yeah, Jason Isbell. Was what? There. He was in that band. Yeah. Yeah. That's where he. They came kicked from. him out, right? Because he because he was drunk. Didn't they kick him out because he had a drinking problem? I thought. I mean, they all they all drank heavily, but. I, I thought I thought he left, but I I really don't know that story. That that's a good that'd be worth a Google. Yeah. Um, wow, I didn't know he was in that band. Yeah, I didn't he either. early he was he was he, he I don't know if he was one of the original members, but he was definitely on their first couple of records, and I think this was his last record with them. I um, think he was an original and founding member of. Was that. he okay? Because I know when I remember, I was like, "Who's this guy, Jason Isbell?" And I remember seeing Drive By Truckers when I was young. And so I was he's like, Who's not, this guy, Jason Isbell. He's actually not on this album. He left before this album came out. Okay. So yeah, this was their third record. This came out in two thousand and one. So, but it's got like, you know, damn! I didn't realize he left that long ago. Yeah, so he did the. I guess he was on their first two records. That's crazy. Um, but uh, I I don't know. It's, it's I mean, being a Skinner fan, there's there's of course, I never saw Leonard Skinner, but I sure saw Molly Hatchet that song that everybody fucking knows. Plus, like, like um, the whole the whole thing kind of tells a story. 
and it, it's fucking cool. And it's just like loud rock and two guitar rock and roll. You know what I mean? And I just I yeah, love it. I like so that. It's my it's my favorite favorite album of theirs too. What what year was that, Mark? Two thousand one. That's my number ten. All right. Well, my number ten, Jordan August here, uh, <laughs> is is also Kanye West late registration. So yeah, Hall uh, of Fame. We, yeah, we we talked that into. We already talked about. It. That's why I also just talked about it all at once, so we didn't have to do it twice. <laughs> um, so I don't really have anything else to say. That's fucking incredible record. And, it is. It's a great album. Um, it's something I don't own on vinyl, which is really weird. I have like I have the singles. Mm-hmm. Um, on like the uh, if you have any of like old hip hop singles where they're it's like just two tracks on a side and it's it's one song and then the instrumental version so you could like freestyle Hit, over uh, it or or sample the beats. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I have like uh, I have like stacks of old uh uh hip hop records that are like that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing in their uh, in their paradigm. That's pretty cool. All right, here's my number nine. All right, Coldplay's "Rush of Blood to the Head." Ooh, Coldplay "Rush of Blood to the Head." It's a uh, it's a phenomenal record. Oh, I'm pulling it up real fast because my computer's acting funny. Uh, here, um, Coldplay. Although people make fun of them all the time, not as bad as like a Nickelback, but. They're one of my favorite bands. <laughs> I don't think um, anyone gets made fun of as bad as Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, feel I really bad can't. They're terrible. I mean, they're great, but they're also terrible. Okay, so here are the songs, the hits off of, of um, A Rush of Blood to the Head, like Politic, In My Place, The Scientist, Clocks, Green Eyes. There are a bunch of hits. There are a couple, like, sleepers on the record that fans of the band truly enjoy but this was the record that Coldplay truly blew up like clocks when that dropped they exploded they're amazing um it's i i I do highly enjoy that record i think i think Coldplay is basically the 2000s version of u2 that's just Mm -hmm. my opinion because like chris martin's vocals are kind of in the same vocal area and the band's like driving especially like a records that i'll mention later but yeah that's my number nine what year was that that would have been 2002 yeah i got that right when i was in the end of seventh grade that's a great record was it parachutes was that the record before it yeah that was their first record from 2000 and was that 2000 yeah yeah so two years and then they they really really exploded crazy i mean they, they had so many hits off the first record and obviously yellow was was uh, huge yeah and in, in two years they put out another record with so many hits yeah this has like four three or four hits like yeah number on one's it. up there yeah that's crazy anyway that's my number nine solid Luke. my number nine is so live doing something mm. oh you pull out the record look at you Hell yeah! If you don't have, <laughs> Hell yeah. have video but luke just busted out the cd um is it signed or anything no, there's a price tag on it for seven ninety eight. <laughs> From where? Where'd you get it? Yeah, uh, the Mad Platter in Westchester was a record store. Nice. But I was really into like, still have the Jimmy Smith and Wes Montgomery and Grant Green and that kind of stuff, and was familiar with the organ trio sound, but hadn't really got into Soul Live till like, probably like, 
three years ago, four years ago. I, I kind of, I knew who they were and stuff, but I never listened to them. And then I saw this at the record store and I bought it and I thought it was, it, it definitely pays tribute to all that stuff, but it, there's just like another element to it that I think kind of progressed the sound. You know, they weren't trying to like out Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Smith. They were like doing their own thing, which I thought was cool. And there's like some lyrics, some tunes with lyrics that I was just looking up. Um, romantic. Oh, really on that, right? No, I think it's Nigel Hall on all the Soul Live records. Oh, okay. So this is on this one. It's Stephanie McKay, who I didn't know who it was. But most of this is instrumental. But uh, yeah, that's mine. What year? What year was that? Two thousand two or two thousand three? Two thousand one. Do you know that one, Mark? Yeah. Spoiler alert might might show up later on tonight. <laughs> also, also speaking of that record, so that record has one and seven on it, which is a very popular Soul Life tune. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, tomorrow we'll be dropping a hashtag TBT Handbone Relay. I found a video of the original Handbone Relay lineup playing that song in Mount Holly, oh, New Jersey. So check it out tomorrow on Facebook, guys. Oh shit! I will. It's Put Joe it Harvey, the Royal yep. Noise, and uh, Jay Mello on drums. So we'll see. What's, what's Cannonball up? drummer. Cannonball's great. It's another really yeah, it's a really good song. Cannonball's a good one. Um. We'll, we'll, t- we'll talk. We'll talk later. Hurry up and wait. I actually played "Hurry Up and Wait" for someone in their senior recital in college. Actually, so. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, great. and they look they great. look they look cool too. They do, <laughs> they do look fucking cool. Yeah, was Krasna good. was was playing the the was he playing a Gibson or an Ibanez? He's playing the Ibanez, but it's it's modeled after like a. He's got the like, like a one twenty five or an L five or something. Yeah, it's like the old like the Schofields thing. Yeah, look at them, young guns. Youngins. Shout out to homie Krasno, still doing that shit. Oh yeah, what's up, yo? All right, Mark, <laughs> what's your number nine? My number nine, Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. Good choice. Hell yeah, I I mean I don't know, man, I, I love. I love this entire record. Actually, I came to this record late too. Um, I didn't start listening to Amy Winehouse till after she died. Actually, um, I knew who she was. I knew a couple of her hits on on the radio, but like after she passed away, I like kind of dug deeper, and this record really kind of like kind of brought me to her, and I've and I haven't stopped listening to to it since. Um, and I love. I'm I've been like learning more about Mark Ronson too, and about the stuff that he's produced and some of the shit he does. And it's a great record, man. The production value is great. The tunes are great. And Amy Winehouse was a, was she was amazing. You know, she was yeah. She was definitely way more talented than I think the world knew. Yep, I agree. She was she was a really good guitar player and like you know she n- not like produced like in rec- in the recording aspect, but like the layout of her songs were all her. Yeah. Yep. Like she she came to the table with really polished finished products. And w- after she died, I, I dug deeper into in these tracks and I'm like, how did I how did I not how did I not know this? You know, why didn't I dig cuz I love this. This is my yeah. wheelhouse, yeah. you know what I mean? And I, I mean, just never I, you know. I think she was like she fell to the problem of like fame and like this LA life and mm-hmm. you know, she, yeah. like it was not good for, you know, for her and her vibe yep but great record for sure all right jordan what's your number nine buddy buddy 
Do you, oh, do you have a cat? You got a cat? I, yeah, I have, a, I have Alex coming to grab a black cat. I didn't know she was up here. Hi, Alex. Hey, Alex. Oh, 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 and then the brown cat's loose. Uh, uh, mine number nine. <clears throat> number nine. Uh, Jordan Ogg is here. Jordan, Jordan Ogg is here. Uh, Fishtown, Fish Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> is from... 2004 Modesky Martin Wood end of the world party. Ooh. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Um, this is this album. I, I, I have it on vinyl. I, pl- I probably listen to it once a week on the record player. Um, it's like, I remember going to music festivals in like 2005 and 2006 when Modesky Martin Wood was like really hitting it hard and they were playing the late night sets, you know, like, 1 30 a.m to 3 a.m and like scaring hippies <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, that yeah. was the coolest thing like you know to, to do like psychedelics and go see modesky martin wood at one in the morning at a music festival was i like i still dream about it i wish that i wish that still happened like <laughs> i know like djs and the edm thing is like big and that's great for late night stuff but if like an edm like fan base could like be forced to go see MMW play this record at 1.30 in the morning, it would <laughs> scare the shit out of them. That's awesome. Just the opening song, like Anonymous Skulls, is just like super dark, kind of like a half tempo, super groove. I it sounds like there's 18 musicians and it's 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 just three of them. It's it's like it's kind of crazy. <laughs> Have you guys seen that um, that thing? I think it was Medeski Martin, Schofield, and another bass player. They did like a concert inside a, a, a recording studio in Woodstock right before this all happened. Schofield's wearing the mask and stuff. Have you seen this? No. It's like a full concert. It's really, really good. They do some of Schofield's like country stuff. It's, yeah, it's cool. it, it gets really? it gets that's weird. Cool. That's awesome. It gets weird. Those country records are great. I forget what they're called. Like, um, that's the one with Jack DeJanet and, um, or no, no, the country record's different, but what's the group called? It's like a river, the Hudson. That's it's called Hudson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's a good one. Did they play Ardmore recently or like they, last year? Uh, they did last year, the year before they were very, I didn't get to go though. It's a shame, but, uh, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh, all right. My number eight is Ryan Adams, the album Heartbreaker. Ooh, that's a good. I, uh, I fell in love with this recently. This is like a new find for me, and the reason why it's I think it's so low is because I was like it's brand new to me, so I didn't want to put it too high. But like, I have listened to this record while driving at least twenty times. Like, "Winding Wheel" is probably my favorite song on this album. The lyricism on here is like it's poetic. It's almost Jack Kerouac, very on the road, vibey. I, I really enjoy it. The drum sounds are great. The guitar sounds are fantastic. Um, it's probably one of my favorite uh, Ryan Adams records of all time. Actually, it is my favorite Ryan Adams record of all time. Do you guys know this one? Yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar with his music. Uh, to Be Young, To Be Sad, Is To Be High is like a phenomenal opening track. The whole album is great. I highly recommend it. I, for, I do know, I, I know that song. Kenny Liner used to make me play that song all the time. <laughs> That's hilarious because that that sounds like a Kenny Liner's song. <laughs> yeah. that, that's definitely his vibe. It's, it's like it's something Kenny would write, you know. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. All right, Mar- uh, Luke. 
Number eight. And number eight is Scrabomatic is the band, and the Ooh. record is Alligator Love Cry. I don't know what that is. is. Mike Madsen, right? <laughs> Mike Madsen's yeah, band, yeah. right? Yeah. What's the record yeah, called? A, Alligator Love Cry. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you saw that it's, you saw them at City Winery, right? You told me about that, right? Luke. Yeah, yeah. I went to New York and saw him, and they they do it as a they did it as a duo for a long time. But on their records, they would have uh, bands come in, and uh, the then they added Dave Yoke, which was a guitar player. So they do it like as a trio a lot. So the lineup changes a lot. But the re- how I got turned on to them is because the lead singer is Mike Madison, who's the lead singer of Derek Trucks Band. And now the he sings in the Tedeschi Trucks band, oh, but okay. yeah, so it's, def- it's definitely heavily influenced like by American roots music. But I think the songwriting is a little, uh, well, it's just the reason why I like it because it it really hones in on that like less is more type thing, and the nuances and the subtleties in the songs I think are amazing like there's this tune that i thought they wrote that i didn't know until now called goddamn job you should check that one out <laughs> but it's actually an old replacement song like the punk band but it's cool oh, how they reinterpret cool. it because you would never think of that no not but at all. uh there's some great gospel stuff and some country tinge stuff and some like swampy blues type shit and it's really i've, I've actually active. never listened to them i gotta check them out man I don't know. Oh, they're awesome, yeah, man. Yeah, I gotta check that shit out. They're really um, cool. Speaking yeah. of Tedeschi trucks, I was listening to a record, Luke, and I I wanted to get your, your pull on it. Do you know the um everybody's talking Revelator um live album from Australia? The live it's album the, from Australia. It's this one. Like. Oh yeah. Uh, I was. Uh, is the Australian edition different than the normal one? I don't know. I found it on uh, Spotify. It's phenomenal. Uh, the band's like clicking like on twenty thousand cylinders. It's really good. Yeah, if they, I know that record. Everybody's talking, and maybe it was. I didn't know where. I knew it was live, but I didn't know where it was from. Uh, so ooh, if it's the one see, I've heard. Yeah, it's awesome. I didn't see where. Uh, I mean, in Australia, but anyway, carry on. Mark Brown. Hey, number, number eight, buddy. What, hey, what what year was that record from, Luke? Uh. I'm West Wikipedia. What year? 2006. 2006. Cool. I just, I'm just cool. trying to make sure this spreadsheet. All right. Cool. Sorry. My, my, this, Mark good. Brown. Good. Mark good. Brown, everybody. He is Riverton, New Jersey. <laughs> Riverton. <laughs> my he got kicked eight. out of Palomar. That's right. That's right. Well, I still go there every now and then, but, you know, our studios are in shambles right now. All right. Rob Zombie, Sinister Urge, 2000. Because, of course... Because, of course, so check us out, right? When I was in college, we had to do a project in music production class. We had to follow uh, an album release and, like, contact the recording oh, arts industry idea. and stuff. Yeah, and, like, we had to, like, talk to, like, people behind the scenes and, like, get, like, collect numbers, how many albums are selling, like, what, what, how do they produce this record? And the album that I chose, just randomly, because I wasn't a huge Rob Zombie fan at the, fan at the time, was Sinister Urge. So I studied... So I, I like followed the album as it came out and I started learning his songs and listening to it. And a buddy of mine was a big Ozzy fan and we went to see Rob Zombie and Ozzy Osbourne went on the tour that was promoting this record. And Ozzy makes oh, a guest appearance cool. on this album. 
Um, and oh, it was damn. one of the one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to. It was that's so cool. Do you remember who amazing? Opened? Who nobody? It was it was well, just them. We get when we got there. Rob Zombie was starting. There might have been like a band that played for twenty minutes prior, but but it was it was just a co-bill between the two of them. So and my, go ahead. I'm sorry, Rob. Now my second cousin, uh, Craig Brooks, uh, plays with him randomly, with like all the time, zombie? like in Ohio. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Like sits in with him, or he sits in with his band. It's his brother and Ar- brother in arms band. I hope I'm saying that name right. That the sounds, brothers in arms band. That sounds familiar. Oh. Yeah, they're Pretty a great, great like hard rock band. Anyway, but uh, but dude, like one thing I'll never forget is watching his guitar player break his clear guitar open that was filled with fake blood and drink the blood. On stage. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking awesome, dude. But like, I, I don't know. I love this album. I love the the tune that like. There's this tune called Ironhead that Ozzy guest appears on. Uh, Tommy Lee is on it. it. It's a great record, man. I don't know. I, I I love I love that hard shit. And it's I think it's it's the best Rob, minus like the White Zombie days for Rob Zombie. It's the best Rob Zombie album ever, in my opinion. Well, it's so. like also like sounds like it was more rock. And, I don't I don't know the record so. Sounds like it was more rock and roll before he kind of he kind of warped into like a weird like trancey. Yeah, he see like he did a lot of synthesizer stuff later on. Yeah, like like a weird trance like techno thing. This album was like the bridge to that. After this record, it it turned total trancey. You know what I mean? Yeah. He you could hear a little bit of that in this album. Like there's there's some synthesizer stuff and shit, but like especially the tune he does with Tommy Lee and the tune he does with uh, Ozzy, it's like straight ahead just rock and roll. Like uh, hard rock, it's and it's fucking cool. cool. It's what, a great record. What what year was it? Two thousand one. And you studied the production of it, the release. Yeah. So what we had to do is we had to pick an album that was releasing while we were taking the class, and then like do a bunch of research leading up to its release, and then when it got released, we had I had to contact the record label and talk to somebody and like. I interviewed like people. I tried to get like close to Zombie, and no one would talk to me. But like I was able to like talk to like some assistant to an assistant at his record company and stuff just to like, you know, like follow the release. And then I had to follow it on the charts and see how high it got and what, how much, how many spins it was getting on the radio and all sorts of shit like that. So, Oh, cool. Yeah. It was was a cool cool. project. So that's my number eight. Nice. All right. uh, My number eight. Jordan August here. Yeah. Jordan August here. Justin Timberlake, Future Sex Love Sounds. Yeah, baby. 2006. Yeah, baby. That's a good record. I mean, you know, fucking Timberland, you know, it's it's just, it's a, it's a great album from beginning to end. A lot of a big hits off there. Obviously, Sexy Back was like huge for him. My Love, What Goes Around Comes Around on uh summer love like it's just it, it, it's like r&b meet, met you know top 40 pop but in the best way possible i've never thought is like J- justin timberlake has never been cheesy to me he's always i agree like- he's he's a pop artist that you can definitely say has never like sold out in the sense of like yeah i, I doesn't feel, feel good yeah, like I'm never like listen to a song where I'm like, eh, nah. Like every, I mean, every album he puts out, I'm like, damn. There's, there's always at least three or four tracks. I'm like, I can't believe he put this on the album because yeah. this isn't his brand, but it's so good. 
I never thought I would say this, but I, I agree with you 100%, man. I, I never thought I would lo- I would like Timberlake, but I, he hasn't done anything I haven't liked. No. It, I've, it, it all come- of his productions, his sounds, mm-hmm. his beats, the grooves, the the melodies, uh, the breakdowns, bridge parts, everything. Every time I listen to an album, I'm like, damn, can't believe you did that. Yeah. And, and, like, and, and, and you put it out to the world, spent millions of dollars to do it. And it's, I, I don't know if it's because, oh, he's Justin Timberlake and he came from, you know, this like crazy brand of, of celebrity, but like he kind of came right out and was just like, no, fuck that. This is what I'm going to do. And it's, yeah, it, this is me. And I, he's the only I, one that I was, success- him. he was the only one that was successful after NSYNC, right? Like nobody else really popped off like he did. No, no, I don't think anyone <laughs> did anything. <laughs> Lance Bass. Lance Bass. <laughs> Lance Bass. Reality TV stars Lance Bass like marries people or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably making good pay. You know, you make a fun yeah, of him for that, but he's probably not doing too bad. Yeah, he's still well, but I don't he's no one's doing anything now. Justin Timberlake is a household name and for really good reason. You know, there's plenty of other like superstars or big name artists that are household names that we don't need to know. Yeah. But Justin Timberlake, well, I think is one that he's really fucking, matters. He, he's a, he's a great musician. He, he's yeah. a, you know, the production value on his records are great. He's also a great actor and great actor. Any, anything he does like in the energy, like whether it's acting or singing or dancing or producing, it's all fucking good. Like, it's really good, and and he spends a lot of time with his crowd. You can tell he loves what he does too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he seems very oh, down sure. when you see him like get interviewed on on the late shows and stuff. He seems very down to earth too. He's not like a super asshole. You know what I mean? Right. You can kind of tell sometimes. Yeah, when, for like, sure. An oh, artist sure. is like a giant asshole. <laughs> I I also love that he's like buddies, maybe not homies, but definitely buddies with Chris Stapleton. Yeah, that's cool. and obviously like I love Chris Stapleton, and I just love that, you know, like. Chris Stapleton's like country songwriting world and somehow the Justin Timberlake pop dance music world, like they made a fuse (laughs) and and they, and they linked these like two polar opposite worlds and like made everyone love each other in the same way. Yeah. Like there was a bunch of really young white people that were like, Holy shit, Chris Stapleton like this guy. (laughs) And then there was a bunch of like old fat drunk, fucking country lovers are like oh i think i like justin timberlake now (laughs) 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 you know that's like so super stereotyping but like you know just as an example like they come from such different places that i think you know they wrote music together that now everyone loves it and i i think hell yeah that speaks a lot for justin timberlake and that's why this record in general made it onto my list good call good record all right We're on the sevens. Number seven. Rob Tate here with his number seven. (laughs) Uh, It's not in any top 100 list. I looked. I checked. This album is called Hard Candy by the band, the the, uh, Counting Crows. Um, It's a personal favorite. There are tons of great songs. The drum tracks are killer. Great uh, snare drum sounds. And I love the way that the songs are arranged. Adam Duritz gets a little whiny at times because that's the Counting Crows way. But like every one of these songs is phenomenal. Uh, big Yellow Taxi, the big hit they had, the Vanessa Carl, I mean, I mean um, 
the Joni Mitchell cover is off this record. Oh, wow. It wasn't supposed to be on it. And then they put it out. It's the last track on the album. And then it blew up. And now, and they wow. will not play it live. They refuse to play it live. That's crazy. Because um, they wanted to play their own shit. But like, it, it's got Hard Candy, American Girls, uh, uh, Goodnight LA. Goodnight LA is one of my favorite ballads from the 2000s. This album is fantastic. I highly recommend it. The, the band arrangements, if, if you're looking for a good band album, this is it. I love the guitar parts mixed with the piano, the way they balance everything, the way they pan everything. It, it's fantastic. And the lyrics, are, it's fantastic. The lyrics are great. Um, I do love the Counting Crows. Man. They're a great band. They're, they're such a great I, and band. And I think, I think they're a really good example of like balancing out a band like instrumentally. That's their really Oh, for sure. And, and I love, if you go watch, if you watch them live, they're even better live in terms of like mix. They're a perfect mixing band. They know how to mix themselves mm-hmm. and, and arrange for them. Like everyone has a spot kind of thing. Like. Yeah. And they, they understand yeah, no that. No one's playing over one another. Yeah. And I mean, everything's arranged, but like the way they write is so cool because they know where they fit and no one's overplaying. No one's egos like over the top, except maybe Adam Dirt's the singer, but everyone else is like, that's, it's a great band. Yeah, and no, that's I my number seven. What what year cool. was that? Two thousand two. Yeah, I have a lot of two thousand two. So it was a good year. Uh, that's I remember when we like we first started this, we were like, oh, the sixties and seventies, and we could just like name bands endlessly, and everyone was like getting nervous about the nineties and the two thousands yeah. and the twenty tens, and I was like, dude, I don't know. I think like. A lot of shit happened that we forgot about. I actually went through my CD collection like this week to do my list, and I'm like, "Holy fucking shit!" Most of this shit is yeah. from the 2000s or the 90s, honestly. It's, yeah, you know? two two thousand like 2000s. Like, I actually, I had to like really think about it. And last night, I I swapped something out because I was like, "No, I'm listening to this more now than ever." Mm-hmm. It was an honorable sure. mention, and it influenced me and like and uh it was end of the world party like that record has like been been scaring hippies <laughs> since the 2000s man like it's like that's like that's what i want to do that's i think a good way like, to put it i think it's so cool like you know for a band that's basically it's they're a psychedelic jazz band so it's like they they had they had to make the list so yeah i think it's cool that uh we've made it to the 2000s because i've been kind of waiting for this well, you've you had know, your list I'm, done for about four months. Yeah, I'm a product of the '80s. You know, like I was born in '86. I had I have two older sisters, so I grew up on like a lot of hip hop from the '90s. But my father is a drummer who was in a you know in a soul band my whole life. So it's like I, I come from kind of two different worlds, and then I found my own way, and which was a weird a weird place to be for a little while, but. <laughs> It's this. This is this is where my list is gonna shine. <laughs> I actually had fun yeah, making nice. this list. I had more fun making this list that I thought I was going to have. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think like the googling and like the the information side of this list was was I learned a lot about the music that I liked. Right. So it was, it was cool. All, all right. right, number seven, Luke Farrakhan, all the way from right. Fishtown, Pennsylvania. That's right. See, I feel I still feel kind of like removed. From the even though like because I was searching like you know top 100 Rolling Stone records and 
dude, like there were only like two maybe that I could say were a part of my like musical upbringing. I don't know. So I feel I have this like disconnect to it. But uh, You're just so it's interesting to hear song. your guys. But, well, you, you know what, Luke, though? Like I did the same thing. I looked at like the Rolling Stone Top 100 and I was like, I don't fucking like any of these records. Like a yeah. lot of my top ten are not in that list. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those albums when they came out, but I'm just like, eh, I like, I like them, but eh, I don't know if they're gonna make my. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, uh, well, yeah, that's the reaction I had too. Yeah, yeah. but it's interesting to hear kind of things like Rob and Drew and your list uh, are informed of what was going on at that time. So it's cool to get insight into that. But anyway. My number seven is Pat Martino live at Yoshi's. Ooh, and ooh. love that album. Dude. It's another great organ trio record. Uh, it's got Joey DiFrancesco on organ and Billy Hart on drums, and I mean, just the playing in this is fucking. It's like on fire from the first note of Olio. It's just like shit is fucking moving. What's, it's what's real, the really, really cool. I missed the record. Live at Yoshi's. Live at Yoshi's. Hey, hey, funny story. I've thrown up in front of Yoshi's before. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> was, it's in, uh, it's it's in, in San California. Francisco. It's in San Francisco. Oh, I, was okay, on, yeah, yeah. I, I was on tour with the bleh, and, uh, and uh, we had a day off, and I went to a bar. I went to a blues bar. I got really fucked up, and I was like, what's around here? Oh, shit, Yoshi's. And I was like, so I was sick. I just threw up in front of the Yoshi's and went back by hotel. You were by yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because no one wanted to go out. Everyone was like chilling. Everyone was playing poker in the hotel room, and I wanted to go out. So, uh, Shocker. Yeah. Shocker, they played story. poker. Anyway, sorry, Luke. <laughs> no, no. Fitting story for the uh, album. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I feel like the the musicianship and the way that they communicate is like something that I took a lot from this record and the way they comp each other solos and like the just like crafting of solos is, is, is pretty, pretty unbelievable on this record. Yeah. Uh, Such a so good I, I love that record. Great. Hell All right, Mark yeah. Brown. All right. My number seven. Yep. So, Speaking of the bleh, I uh, the bridge that is Baltimore with Jam Band, Chris Jacobs. Dude, <laughs> um, I uh, the first time I heard this album, I ate acid to it. I was on the West Coast, and it changed it changed my life. Tell and then I was like, details. I was like, and then like, <laughs> and then like weeks later, I was like, oh, dude, the album it's it's shitty, whatever. And I and I put it on, and it still fucking was brilliant. Um, and that's uh. Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots by the Flaming Lips. Oh, Kenny Liner. I and Ken, it was so I was I was I was in the car with Kenny and Patrick, and we pulled over, we got high, and then Kenny and I had acid. Patrick was driving, and we listened we listened to Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots, and it, it just fucking it just blew my mind, blew my mind. And and then listening to it like sober too, like the production value is great. It it's like it's weird. It's so psychedelic. Weird. It's super weird. Psychedelic. It's, it's so psychedelic, and that's what makes it weird. Yeah, but it, but it's, it's like just like the textures are like, it's like when you do this with your fingers. <laughs> yeah, <That's> a, <laughs> it's like this. That, I feel like that's a good good way to put it because I feel like I understand it. Have you heard it's that? Like, have you heard uh, that album, Luke? At all? Oh my god. No, no. Dude, but it, I, I'm intrigued. It's crazy. Oh it's like god. literally, dude. When the robots attack, dude. That 
Do you know that that song, that track I'm talking about? Oh yeah. It's like it's like in an odd time meter, time signature, and it's like this this synthesizer lick that just keeps repeating and getting intense and more intense and more intense, and you're like, "Fuck, what is happening?" And then fucking Yoshimi defeats the robots, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I, I love that album. I, I rec- Even if you guys aren't into the Flaming Lips, you should no, ch- lo- check that I, album I out it. because it's fucking amazing. I can't say enough about that album. So I'm surprised that Blip never played that song. It's because I don't think everyone in the Blip liked that song. I think, I think, or like that, like that album. I think it was just. What year was that? Was that 2001? 2002. 2002. Yep. But great record. If you guys ever get a chance, check it out. Crazy. Changed my life. Drugs. Hashtag drugs. <laughs> hey, you want to get high, man? This howdy duty got wooden balls, man. I got a joint here, man. I've been saving for a special occasion. Nice. All right. Jordan August. Uh, my number was the seven. Yeah. Uh, Come Away With Me by Nora Jones. That's a good choice. Um... I think it was like a really interesting time for this artist in general to kind of like become something. Um, I also really, I, I love really, I, I love really simple song structures mm-hmm. and she does a really good job at doing simple song structures, structures, but with really complicated music behind it. Um, and she didn't write a ton of the songs on the record. They're, it's uh, mostly her guitar player, right? Yeah, she has a, a lot of co-writes. Um, there's a Hank Williams song on there. Um, it, that band, uh, I, th- I believe the bass player is her boyfriend or husband. I forget. But like that band uh, toured for a, a while. They were yeah. a great band. Yeah. Um, all those songs, most of those songs, I'm, I'm I know are written by the guitar player, and because I know when Nora Jones was kind of doing her own thing, she talked about that a lot, like writing for the first time by her, like by herself for a whole record. Um, what was his name? For sure, I can't remember the guitar player's name. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Hold on. Um, but anyway, um, personnel, acoustic guitar, Kevin Bell, Bill Frizzell. It is it Bill Frizzell. That's, that's <laughs> it, it is not uh him come away uh, that, that's definitely not bill frizzell but that's a that's a notable guy oh i know bill frizzell he's pretty notable. <laughs> um he's a notable guy oh lee alexander he, he, lee alexander lee alexander okay. oh it's the bass player not the guitar bass player. player my bad yeah, yeah. bass player wrote a bunch of those tunes is bill frizzell on that record yeah yeah he's a he's he plays a electric guitar just want to throw this out there also he had asked to do a bill frizzell album yeah, I was like, why do I fucking know that name? <laughs> I think I told you. He's unbelievable. Really fun fact about Bill Frizzell. Did you know he was born in Baltimore, Maryland? No, really? Yeah. Balmer, huh? He was born in Balmer. <laughs> but he regrets that. Have you always- Ew! Ew! <laughs> his whole family moved his ass to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Which Baltimore. Which is what every, everyone in Baltimore has been doing. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, that's 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 my number seven. Um, I, it's, uh, the melody of obviously the hit off the record. Uh, you know, uh, I think you could put ten people in a room and 
eight and seven or eight of them could sing you that melody. Come away with me. Yeah, right. there you go. See, look, that's that's four uh, of us. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rob Jay here with my number six. It is this. It is Mr. Bruce Springsteen. Here we go. Ooh. The Rising. Hold on, I have a question. Do you have a Bruce album in every top ten list that we're going to do? I do so far. Do you? Oh wow. Do you, maybe. <laughs> I do. I'm a fan. That that was a jokingly question, but it turned out to. I'm proud. I mean, I kind of figured. I think I knew the answer, but I just. When Alex and I were watching your live stream, every time I didn't know a song, I was like, "This has got to be some rare Bruce Springsteen song." (laughs) (laughs) No, because Amory. Even though Alex loves Bruce Springsteen, she's like, "I don't know all of it," and I was like, "Rob knows all of it." (laughs) Amory wouldn't let me. Probably. Um. This, this album was right after uh, 9-11. Um, I think Bruce was get, getting back together with the band because he, him and the E Street Band had like broken up and he was using this different band in the 80s and it, it was going like more pop and stuff and there's a whole history with that. But like then he got back together with the E Street Band and made The Rising and all the writing was done after 9-11. Pretty much all of the themes surround um like people not being able to come home after the attacks because they're gone and things like that like families trying to move on like relationships and stuff it is a sad record but all of the melodies every album that's in my top 10 for every one of these decades like pretty much surrounds melody if it has a phenomenal Mm -hmm. melody i put that record on my top that song the rising i taught that to one of my guitar students last year i love that song that is song is so good such a great song and it's very uplifting and it's fuck i love it it's great and uh, what's the last song? My City of Ruins makes me cry all the time. Uh, it's about his hometown. And like he he's from um, not Summers Point. Uh, no, it is Summers Point. But like uh, it's right. It's not too far from New York. But people that live there work in New York City and they never came home. So a lot of people in that city never came back. Wow. And yeah. wow. I, that's like the point of that song. It's like really sad. Um, anyway, that's my number six. And uh, Luke, please uplift us into something a little more positive. <laughs> what, what, was that was that 2003? Uh, uh, 2002. 2002. Yeah. I'm telling you, a lot of 2002 on my list. Yeah, you got a lot of 2002. It's a good year. All right, Lukey, lay it on me. Lukey dookie. Uh, it's hard to put these in order. So hard. Well, but... man, bitch. Bitch. I think my number six is <laughs> Papa John DeFrancesco, a record called Jumpin'. Oh, nice. So Joe, Joe DeFrancesco's uh, father. Does I remember when I was like, organ? what's that? Does he play organ as well? Yeah, he's an organ player. Oh, okay. When I just started playing guitar. I was like 16 or so, 15. I remember my dad gave me this record. It's like, yo, ch- check this out. Because I was huge into like Hendrix and Sassilin, but, uh, you know, more kind of wild, rocked out shit. Uh, and he gave me this record. And it was kind of first introduction into more of a know, jazz sphere. And uh, I've loved it ever since. And I can like sing every note on the whole record. It's a lot of, it's a lot of like soul, jazz, blues, influence, organ, trio type groove stuff. And uh, definitely I'll make you smile. If you listen to it. <laughs> That's a good thing. Nice. What, what, what year did that come out? 2002. Another 2002. I gotta check out some Papa John. I don't know a lot of Papa John. I've seen him a couple times, but I don't have any of his records or anything. He's a, I I have all of them. I'll give them to you. He's got a great three pizza deal. Um, what you gotta do? Uh, 
Sorry. That's good. That's good. He also has like a lawsuit how he's never eaten any of his own pieces too. Oh, is that true? Isn't, isn't he also like I don't know? Isn't he also like a he's a racist. I yeah. think yeah. I think that was that was the uh, that was the other <laughs> that was the real lawsuit. The giant looks. bigot. Yeah. I was like maybe I should have said he's racist, but no, fuck that. He's racist. <laughs> he's racist and he doesn't need his own record, his own pizza. He doesn't need his own record. He doesn't need his own records. God damn. It. Same guy. All right, Mark Brown. What's your number six? My number six is a uh, John Mayer live Pina Palladino, Steve Jordan. Go fuck yourselves. Oh Enough fuck! What that should that's be on my tri- list. That's the trio. That's the trio. Yeah, uh, the trio album. Yep. Try. Yeah, John- okay. Well, oh cor- damn it! Correct yourself. It's the John Mayer trio. What? Are they- well, that's yeah. Ooh. Sorry. Sorry. Ooh. What? Actually, I said trio yeah, I, live. Clean the shit out of your ears, bro. Come on. Oh, right. sh- I don't think I said well, that actually. <laughs> is that what the record is? The record called Trio. Live? It's called Try, actually. I think, right? I'm looking it at is the oh, definitely. Oh, Try, yeah, John Mayer. Try. try, but I have that on vinyl. I want that on vinyl, actually. Um, dude, I love that record, man. There's enough said. Steve Jordan, Pina Palladino, John John I mean, Mayer is a great yeah. player when he's not playing that poppy bullshit. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like that, that shit. But. That record is, I think, like when he finally got to like maybe do him a little bit. You yeah. Know? For sure. He didn't have to like please anybody else. And obviously, like he already had Pino Palladino in his pocket mm-hmm. and had Steve Jordan on records and stuff, but like with that song, Who Who Did You Think I Was? Yeah. Fuck yeah. God damn. Good, like, good Love Is on the Way is a great tune too. Good Love Is on the Way. Um Dustin Hendricks on that record. Of course I got a woman, his version of I Got a Woman's pretty cool. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I mean, doesn't he do uh, wait, wait till tomorrow too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's on the record. Yep. He always has like the baddest dudes in his band. Always crazy. Um, I don't remember the connection, but I know that when... um, Steve and Pino were good friends for a long time, and then they got involved with John. But uh, the, both of those guys are from very much from the Motown school, mm-hmm. so they actually brought a bunch of Motown tune, tunes to John, and those tunes like. For example, I just heard this interview the other day. They did the song "Take Me to the River," yeah, um, sure. famous Motown song, and it that John played a different riff on top of the the bottom end, and that's what uh, the song "Vultures" turned. Uh, oh, came cool! From. That's cool. Oh wow, that's cool. That, that's a that's a really fun fact. Yeah. So fun fact. Uh, fun fact. Hey, hey, hashtag fun fact. <laughs> um, and if you put those two side by side, they're very similar in vibe tempo it's a great album i bought i bought that album when i was living in lancaster um like 15 years ago or whatever 12 years ago and i literally listened to it on repeat every day for like a month straight it blew because i when i saw it i was like oh john mary's kind of cool your body's a wonderland that's cool whatever cool i'll check this shit out you know and i fucking i was like this is not what i expected and i fucking love it and i listened to it like all the time for like a month straight. Yeah, he's, he's a talented guy. There's no doubt about that. For sure. Yeah. Rob, I mean, what was the interview you listened to? Uh, it was Steve Jordan. Um, off of uh, it was on mysymbol.com or Memphis Drum Shop's YouTube channel, and he has like a uh, interview with um the bass player from Memphis. What's his name? Uh. I'm going to not get the right name, so I'm not going to even bother, but I'll send it to you, Luke. It's off of mysymbol.com. If you research Steve Jordan, uh, uh, Memphis Drum Shop on YouTube, you should you should find it. It's, it's, cool. that, that record, too, there's only 
the two covers, obviously the Ray Charles tune and then the Hendrix tune. Um, and Mayer wrote most of it, but there's one, two, three songs on the record that were written as a band with, uh, with Steve Jordan and Pel and Palladino. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. But Mayer gets one, two, three, four, five, six writing credits on as his own. I might game. be ordering this album on vinyl like right now, actually, because it's it's <laughs> nice. It's it's like 190 gram. It's like it's one of the thickest records I own. I, I need I need it because I actually haven't listened to it in a while. But I was like, this album has to make my fucking list because I I play the shit yeah, out of that's, it when I had it. That's a that's a good find. Hell yeah! Did cool. anyone ever get to see? Uh, the John Mayer trio? No. Uh, I saw John Mayer, um, with Steve Jordan on the first uh, uh gig at um after the what the frick is the album called? Hold on, I'm so sorry. Continuum. Um, born and born and raised. No, it was the Battle Studies record. Uh, Steve Jordan was still on the tour with oh, Pete. Okay. It was amazing. Oh, cool. That's cool. Awesome. Where was that in Philly, Rob? Uh, I saw them at the Beacon, and then I saw them at well at the Wells Fargo Center. I was probably at that show. I, I saw John, John Mayer oh, that's hilarious. at Roseland Ballroom in in New York. Nice. That's isn't that like a it's a pretty small room. Yeah, it was, oh, the whole tour was tiny. Tickets for like two hundred and twenty five dollars. Holy shit. It was, it was ridiculous. When was that? Uh two thousand six, two thousand five, late uh early two thousand six. Cause this record yeah. came out the end oh, of two thousand five. Yeah. So yeah, it was like February or March of 2006. Wow, <clears throat> I miss concerts, guys. I miss I miss them a lot. You're not alone, buddy. It's crazy. Anyway, all right, who who are we at? Uh, it's me. Yeah, for your number five, for your number six. Uh, number six is Amy Winehouse, "Back to Black." Hell yeah. Oh, so previously previously mentioned <laughs> record, um, mm. obviously. Rehab, uh, me and Mr. Jones, back to black. I mean, this this whole record is just ridiculous. It's a good. It's just, like, it's just good. It's like I think the Dap Kings were her band too during. This yeah, record. I think so. I think so. I think yeah. I read that when I was looking up. Looking On up. this record, the Dap Kings were her band, her recording band, and her live band. Um. Yeah, she was she was a badass. That's so cool. And like every everyone, if you know whoever does listen to this, and even just you know the three of you that I'm talking to currently, like go read about the background and the recording and the production. Like it's uh, Mark Ronson was the producer. He had his hands all over everything. Like there's so much information about this record. It's it's really cool. He's a smart. Awesome. He's a smart dude like a he's a genius when it comes to production man i love absolutely anything he touches turns to gold man literally yep yep and okay oh sorry it's, yeah it's no <laughs> it's like, just it's just it's just crazy to like when you when you look at wikipedia <laughs> and you're like oh shit <laughs> cool okay all right <laughs> all right so i've got no so i've got i've got two lists we're at we're past number six we're right in the middle Right. We're at the halfway point. I got two lists. I got Eric Cooper's top 10. Eric Cooper's a wonderful bass player and a good friend of mine, um, good friend of the band. And uh, he sent me his top 10 of the 2000s. Uh, here, I'm just going to list his top 10 here. Uh, number one is 
uh, Tool's Lateralus album. Lateralus. Lateralus. I don't know that one. Two is Kid A, Radiohead. Three, In Rainbows by Radiohead. Uh, Number four, Z, My Morning Jacket. Number five, uh, Morning View, or no, CKY album, I think. Number six, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, by the way. Number seven, Sword in the Stone by Victor Wooten. Number eight, Infiltrate, Destroy, Rebuild, CKY. Number nine, Dr. Dog, Fate. And number 10, The End is Begun. Three, they're a band. Huh. Cool. Hmm. Right on, man. Thanks, anybody, thanks Coop. Th- and, thanks, uh, he, thanks, Coop. You can definitely tell you're a bass player by that list. <laughs> and here's uh, Maggie May. Maggie May's here. She here. She's on my phone. And she gave me her top ten of the uh, 2000s. Here we go. Number ten, Manchester Orchestra, "Mean Everything to Nothing," from 2009. Number nine, Queen of the Stone Age, "Songs for the Deaf." Number eight, MGMT, "Oracular Oracular Spectacular." Uh, number seven, "As Tall as Lions." As tall as lions, she puts in parentheses. I was depressed. LOL. Uh, number six. <laughs> number six. Horror pops. Bring it on from 2005. If you guys don't know about them, pull them up. Lead singer, stand-up bassist is the most badass chick I've ever seen. Number five. Incubus. Morning View. Number four. Paramore. Riot. Jimmy Eat World is number three with Bleed American. Number two. Rage Against the Machine. Renegades. And number one was nice. Missy Elliott's Under Construction. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, Maggie. Shout out to fucking Missy. Good job, Maggie. Good job, Maggie. All right. Thank hey, can you. Can we pause for me to get a beer real quick? Yeah, Itch. I need to pee. And then you have to pee too. You guys want to do the, right. a quick Hall of Fame thing too before we start our five, uh, our last sure. five? So let me, yeah, let, let's, let's pee and shit. We'll do that. Have we got a beer? We're, Hi, Jordan August here, and I, I am put, not a crook. Hey, what's up? I had to put I had to put a hat on because I just couldn't stand looking at my hair. <laughs> I like I like your hair, dude. It looks good, man. <laughs> and I grabbed my glasses because I have some like the 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 laptop is the camera, but I have my like iMac above me. Yeah, I see that. And I've been like struggling uh, reading my. My Wikipedia info. So, you know, nice. it's a new look, you know. Hey, so real quick, is everybody cool? We good? We got a beer? Yep. Here's our Hall yeah, of Fame for the, for, the, for the 1990s. We only had three Hall of Fame albums. So, and Luke, you all good? <laughs> Luke. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Can you hear us? Lou right. Bosney? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I, uh, I don't know what happened. All right. So real quick, we got three Hall of Famers for the 1990s: Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, uh, Dookie, Green Day, yes, and Grace, Jeff Buckley, yes. That was it for the 90s. I mean, there's I mean, Dookie. Dookie was it, dude. Dookie was that my could've, my that 90s. Been, that could have been number one in general. What does it take? Two? It takes two people. There's two or more, but it can't be honorable mention. It's got to be in the top ten. So, nice. But uh, so 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 far, if we were, if we were counting, so far, Amy Winehouse is in, is in the Hall of Fame. Um, and that's all I remember off the top of my head. And Kanye, Kanye, oh, and, Ka- and Kanye, late registration. Yep. So sick, cool. That's awesome. Nice. All right, so I'm up, I believe. Yes, number five. Yeah, according to my list, it is. 
It is time for some Rob Tate magic right now, babies. Uh, right now, ladies and gentlemen, this is Rob Tate speaking. Um, I would like to present my number five is D'Angelo's Voodoo. Ooh. Nice. Solid. Play up, play up, devil's pie, left and right. It's just amazing. The whole record, along with the classic, the hit that made him, that got so big that he decided to stop doing music. Well, that's not the only reason. It's untitled, How Does It Feel? That song's amazing. The one thing I always wondered is, you guys know that song, right? Yeah. The untitled yeah, How Does It Feel? I, I wonder, at the end, there's like a hard cut. It's not like a... Yeah. I've always wondered if that was a, a musical choice or if that was a... um. Like uh, something that just happened in the studio by accident. They ran out of tape. Dude, same. I, I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, just loving it. And then I was like, wait a minute. What the fuck? Like, yeah, like did how I have, like, does a it fit? <laughs> yeah, did I have like but a You looked like something was wrong on your own end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I played it again and got like three different sources. And I was like, I guess, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Cause it is, it's, it's super abrupt, obviously, but I, Musically, I don't know if it lends too much to the track. I don't know. What do you think, rap? I have no idea. All I know is I like like it and hate it at the same time. I um, think that he's such an artist that like he was just like, fuck it, done. Fucking done. Song's <laughs> over. <laughs> like he he's such an he's like the 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 epitome of an artist in like the R and B world. I, I Dude, totally agree. Speaking of Pino Palladino, he's all over this record too. He's on uh. He's on Playa Playa. He's on um, Questlove's on Left and Right, along with uh, uh, Red Band and um, uh, what's his Red Man and uh, Method Man. That's an amazing track. Um, the whole the whole album's great from top to bottom. The drum grooves are insane. I believe Questlove uh, produced it. If yeah, I'm not it's mis- fucking unbelievable. Yeah, that's good. That was the thing most striking for me when I first heard it was just the grooves and just the way it felt. I was like, this shit is so deep and just so like in the pocket yeah you could just i can just listen to it for like three days straight without ever turning it off that like that record is what like fucking is supposed to be oh yeah whole album yeah you can, you can have a a sting version of sex and just last an hour and a half and just put that <laughs> album on twice yeah enjoy Tan- yourself tan- tantric <laughs> tantrics i don't remember what it was called tan- tantric quarantine everybody Quarantine fucked this record, yo. Hold on, so real quick, real, <laughs> let's do the math. So quarantine technically started what middle of March? I think we're like thirty, but not quite thirty days in. So if it yeah, was twenty-eight of March, days, I think, or something, right? Yeah. So yeah. so if we let's just say March seventeenth, uh, then so that means what's nine months from March seventeenth? Is that October? Dude, math. Do, dude, do not ask know. Mark Brown. Don't ask Mark, Mark Brown. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Fuck, fuck you. you. Fuck You're you. You're cool. <laughs> fuck you. I finally saw Half right? Baked, by the way. Did you like I it? Saw, did you? And I got super high. It was. Oh, awesome. I fucking love oh, that movie. Yeah. Hey, did you? Did yeah. you guys yeah. watch the Dave, the Dave Chappelle the Mark Twain Award um thing? It's on my list. No, no. Dude, it's like so funny. So musical, so emotional, and you learn so much about that fucking funny little bastard. (laughs) I've I've watched it twice. It's so good. I watched it once by myself, and then I watched it another time with Alex while we were, like, cooking dinner. Dave Chappelle won the Mark Twain Award, uh, Luke, and he uh, they put it up on Netflix, the the show. They put the show up on Netflix. Yeah, it's it's basically, like, a special, but, like, you know, with with a ton of other comedians, like, you know, telling stories about 
Dave Chappelle, but like being funny, you know, like doing bits and having live musical performances and like common plays. Erica Badu plays. It's I'm just, pretty oh, sure. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's Adam really Blackstone uh, is the MD of the band. It's his band. I can't remember the name of it though. Um, it's a great, great group of guys. Adam Blackstone's one of the best bass players to come out of Philly. Uh, plays for a bunch of pop people. MDs for a bunch of people. I think he MDs for Maroon Five. Um, Janet Jackson. That might be. That might not be right. But anyway, um, it's a great. St- it's on my list. Did you? Awesome. Know, I think. I think Janet Jackson has more number one hits than any other artist ever. I don't have. Let's, let's Google it. Yeah, no, I, I, go, I feel yeah. I don't remember where this came up, but I, I, I think she has more number ones than anybody else. Weird, I could believe it. Thing that's in my head, but was she on anyone's list? She's like eighties, right? I that's don't think she was. was. No, she's in the two thousands, man. She's she she had some really good stuff. I mean, she's not on my lists. You know? I don't think I can name one song. I don't think she influenced the musical <laughs> world. That's a diss. <laughs> That's a I dig. Mean, I mean, well, you know, whatever. Wait, I'm digging or she or he's No, digging. no, Jordan. Jordan was like, I don't think she influenced anybody. <laughs> you know, she I mean, has the most number one hits. That's pretty striking. Yeah, yeah. No, she just, I mean, I don't know. Well, when you're when your brother's Michael Jackson, you know. Yeah. I, I I do have a couple, I think I have two Janet Jackson records from the 80s or 90s that like the covers are just like the cheesiest shit ever. I just like we painted a wall in the house, so I had to I had to take all my records out and box them all and then put the cabinets you know obviously move the cabinets put the paint on the wall put the cabinets back put all the records back so when i was putting the records back i was like digging through everything and make sure everything was in order and where it needed to be and i was like oh i didn't even know i owned this record kind of situation and janet jackson was like don't know why i own these but hey got them all right so <laughs> i i don't see janet jackson uh in the list well here let me see let me make it bigger um top 10 for uh most number ones is abba uh kiyoko Masuda, elton john um u2 b7 or bz i have no idea bing crosby madonna rolling stones elvis presley and the beatles okay there she's on a she's on a list that's like american billboard top 100 Uh, i think so yeah yes She's on a list for something I like that I've found in either, I don't know. I'll, I'll she's on a list we'll for talk, something we'll, somewhere. She's on, she's on a about list. Something. She, she was up there. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> hey Luke, uh, take it away from Jordan. What's what's sorry, your yeah, number five? This is number five. So I think this artist, I literally could put every record that he's done in my top ten, but I just this is the one I'll put is uh Derek Chuck's band live at Georgia Theater. Yeah. Nice. Does that it's have Freddie's Dead on it? Freddie's Dead is on that, right? Yep. Yeah, cool. So this this record was only released online, which I guess like back then was 2000, 2004 was kind of like that was probably pretty uh That's pretty ball not not as common. But I think well, it it, it might have been like a bootleg at first and then they formally released it. But it's released online only. You can't buy a uh, physical copy of it. And it's just awesome. I mean, it's totally uh, spontaneous, and it's it's all live, obviously. And um, every track is, like, just really engaging in the way that they play and really bring the in. It's really 
like logical and there's like a uplifting spirit to the gospel stuff and like a contemplative stuff like he does like quality tunes and like latin stuff and gospel stuff but it doesn't feel like a pretentious effort to like do everything you can which sometimes i feel like people kind of stretch and play obscure shit just to do that there's this one great Derek trucks interview and quote that i took away and he was talking about going to see people and people come to see him like going to see other artists and he was like you know i would never go to see someone or or he's not drawn to or go to see see an artist that's just like good like he would he'd only he's only interested if like you're doing something or if like there's something other than proficiency or like uh you know virtuosity it has to be like a like a, ba- a boundary pushing like situation yeah, I guess boundary pushing, but even just just there has to be I, I don't know maybe like a spiritual element to it if you want to call it that 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 might be a little too like boxy, but I think that's exemplified in this record that he's obviously a phenomenal guitar player, but above that I think he hits like deeper notes on of expression that are really hard to do on an instrument and something that I yeah, like sure. a lot. Cool. I dig it. That's a, you know, that's like a deep dive. All right, Mark Brown, number five. My number five is Martin Sexton, live wide open. Nice. So I, so, so Martin Sexton's like, so this, this album, it, it's, it's a collection of live recordings of him on the road and like, I think, uh, what year is it? It's uh, 2002. And it's just him and a drummer. And it's like his songwriting and his, his guitar playing, like, the way he plays guitar, he like there's you feel like there's a bass player, but there isn't. It's just it's just him playing acoustic guitar with a drummer, and I I don't know like he in my opinion he's one of the one of the better songwriters of the last fifteen years, without a doubt. And I I just I listen to this record a lot, um, and I love it, man. I don't know, it's good it's a good record. Maggie. I don't know that much about Martin Sexton, only through you, Mark. So maybe I got I got to dive into more of his stuff. You would uh, like first. him, Rob. He he he's like I mean he's a singer songwriter. He comes from like the classic rock school, um, but he has like he does he has like a finger picking style, and the way he plays guitar is very unorthodox. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but like it just it just it's just like it it almost sounds like there's two people playing guitar. It's very mm. there's a lot happening, but it's very it fits together. You know what I mean? Like when I first right. heard this record, I th- I was like, "Who's playing bass?" And there's nobody. Like that's it. Just it sounds that full. You know what I mean? Well, that's so cool um, that he can get all that sound from one guitar. Yeah. So, but it's, it's, so awesome. it's 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 if if you're gonna like for anyone who's not familiar with Martin Sexton, start with this record, Live Wide Open. And what year was that? Two thousand and two. Two thousand two. Another two thousand two. Two thousand two make a name for itself. The D'Angelo record was two thousand. Um, yeah, it barely made it. Uh, Jordan August. <laughs> Jordan August. Uh, Jordan August. Jordan August. Uh, number five. My number five is Daft Punk Discovery. Uh, from that's it's from two thousand one. Um, I mean, I guess like you guys probably didn't ever listen to Daft Punk. No, I like Daft Punk. Okay, for sure. So, 
uh, harder, you. better, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. What, oh, like, I know that song. Yeah, fucking that baseline, sick. I yeah, I just think that whole song is is, is genius. Um, but they also had the song "One More Time" on there. Oh, that uh, song's awesome. Which the was, opening uh, part that's so weird. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, this the, this duo dj duo you know producers i don't know like what you even call these guys but they're like i don't know they were they're they're a big deal in the the motivation of of music in modern times and um i always thought it was really cool that they sort of they wore masks and like you know never sort of put the ego into the world Mm -hmm. of, of, of who they were i mean obviously like they've been you know, an announced like you know, like I think it was like their their PR person like took a picture of them and like put it on TMZ or something, and you know, told the world I bet who they are. But I mean, oh wait, they're like a masked group, like yeah. the gorillas. Yeah, they, they right? were they were helmets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm they've they've just been writing incredible electronic house and dance beats and pop songs for a really long time and um i've 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 never got to see them it's like one of my biggest regrets is like i never got to see this band because they don't tour and they don't play shows anymore Mm. and the day they do play a show none of us will be able to afford to do it (laughs) Uh, we'll we'll all be dead by then so yeah we'll be we'll be dead by then and so will they Um, (laughs) So it's like you know, I don't know. This this record was uh, a big deal uh, for me, and I think for music, and especially at the time, like coming out in two thousand one. Like I know the rave scene was really big in the nineties and stuff, but this was like this was bigger than the rave. This was this was arenas. This was you know thirty forty thousand people at a show to see two people in mass they didn't even know who they were so that's so cool though i love that daft punk man all right rob tate here number four kanye west college dropout oh you put two on there dude this okay i I don't think people understand how prolific john uh john kanye west was in the 2000s he put out four four incredible records in the 2000s four no I, i agree with you um and this one was the first album he put out this one has like the through the wire the shaka khan uh melody and like he spits over it. it's awesome slow jams with jamie fox and twista um jesus walks of course and then all falls down the really big hit the whole album is phenomenal yeah was jesus walks wasn't wasn't the big one i mean that was one of his big ones but that wasn't like the big hit for me the the big song was um actually maybe no because like i think slow jams came out first and then okay. jesus walks or it might be backwards um but slow jams was huge because it had all those those sit-ins on the music video that's true and that's right when I, I was watching like mtv and vh1 and stuff and that's when that song dropped and it was incredible uh the whole record's great i highly recommend it top to bottom just listen straight through it's a great record i'm done I'm definitely gonna after this is definitely gonna li- listen to uh kanye west I've never, I mean, G, what's it, Jesus Walks. Walk? Yeah, I mean, I've heard that on, like, probably in movies and, like, things like that. 
but yeah, I've never like listened to them consciously. Oh, it's so but good. So, so many people love them. It's so pervasive. Yeah. Um, it's it when you meet people, it's either you're an early Kanye fan or you're a Kanye fan that somehow made it through all the bullshit that he's been putting out the past few years. You're like, I still like him. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, all four of the records he put out in the two thousands are incredible. Um, I, I like eight oh eight and heartbreak, but it's not, it's not a, a barn burner. Is all I'm gonna say. Anyway, I'm done. Luke, what's your yeah, number four? I'll definitely be checking that out. Uh, this is another band that I probably could have put everything they've done on the list, but I just chose one, and it's the Wood Brothers' "Ways Not to Lose." So ah, it's their shit. first. Nice. It's their first record. And it's Oliver and Chris Wood. Chris Wood, obviously from the Desky Martin of Wood. Is that the one that w- their heads are sunflowers? No, that's loaded. Okay. Which is I was choosing between uh, the two of those, but when I was looking through the the song list. I mean, I could it could be interchangeable. What's the, what's this, the album I, cover of the one that you picked? It's like a hand with a a uh, playing card. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's green, green background. Yeah, uh, I know that one. It's a great record. I just think the song right. This is kind of what got me into like song or before it was kind of like just guitar city all the time, <laughs> like always. Which I still, you know, fucking love guitar playing. Obviously. You're still you're still but, guitar city all the time. but um this was like the songwriting this was so i don't know good (laughs) for uh, a good adjective it was was good (laughs) and also this is the first this band was the first band that got me to listen to lyrics because honestly before that i kind of i mean i listened to lyrics but it was definitely the last thing i would ever listen to i would never I would listen to music first and the lyrics are totally secondary. They have yeah. some phenomenal storytelling. Like a luckiest man is a great song. Yeah. Their, their storytelling is incredible. Oh it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's unbelievable. And it's so um, diverse, you know, like it's, it's crazy to think that like two people are writing this, the, all that lyrical content. Like it sounds like it could be 15 different people that write all those. Songs. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely an old soul writing those tunes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of Oliver Wood stuff, and their mother was a poet, and I think their father was like a, he was a guitar player, and he was some he was like a chemical engineer, but he was in like the uh, folk scene in the um, late sixties and early seventies, and I think hung out with John Prine and kind of I forget the specifics, but was was in the scene, but but did the uh, engineering thing, so they definitely had a background and. Uh, those two elements there's a there's a um shout out to andy frasco he uh on his podcast he interviews the wood brothers and uh, they they talk about um uh chris wood's like success with modesky martin wood like early and Oliver mm-hmm. Wood was in like a some other band. I can't remember what the band name is. Oh, uh, it's like Brothers Johnson or some shit like some, that. Yeah, like something like that. And uh, they ended up like doing like three shows with MMW. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and MMW was like, you know, like rolling in on a tour bus and like had roadies and stagehands and like sound Damn. guys and all this shit. And Oliver Wood was like loading in his fucking. 1968 super reverb that weighs 94 pounds and <laughs> you know like doing his own sound check and all this shit and he was like damn this is my younger brother and i'm like 
uh, I'm like opening up for my younger brother and my younger brother is just like hanging out, like doing cocaine and fucking working on his laptop in the dressing room while we're all just yeah. like lugging our shit, you know? <laughs> so it, it's, it's yeah. point of the story is that like the way they've connected, you know, 20 years later is, is, is like, a yeah. Cause they were saying that, yeah, they, you might just said this, but they played a lot when they were younger, but then he moved to New York Kristen and I guess Oliver stayed down south somewhere and yet it was like a 20 year period where they didn't really play but yeah. now Modeski Martin Wood doesn't really play because the Wood Brothers are so busy yeah, Modeski Martin Wood doesn't do anything anymore I, I saw the per- I saw MMW not this past October but the October before that and it was like a like a one off it was it was a big it was, a, it was at Halloween in Florida it was just like a yeah like hmm. a one off that yeah. video I mentioned, it's uh, Mineski Martin and a different bass player, so they're still playing just with different a different bass player at this point. I think they're yeah. resigned to the fact that the Wood Brothers are pretty much doing their own thing, and they're yeah. figuring it out from there. It was also cool that the first two Wood Brothers records were on Blue Note. Oliver, really? Or, oh, because um, I guess Chris Wood, some of the Chris Wood shit, or the Mineski Martin and Wood stuff was... Uh, was on Bluno, right? Like the first couple or something. Yeah, I guess because he had the connection to the first, first two Wood Brothers stuff is Bluno. That's cool. So awesome shit, awesome vocalist. What, what year was that? Two thousand six. Also, his guitar playing, I think, is unbelievable. I think. It's, oh yeah. It's like some of the most. It just he's playing exactly I think what should be played. Like it's just like he's serving the music so well, and that's something I've always. Uh, looked up to and musicians and stuff that he was just like playing the song fucking perfectly in the spirit of it and not doing it or underdoing it he does it the same live like postcards from hell not that record but another one is like yeah. incredible guitar playing oh yeah that that song that yeah song is like yeah he doesn't play not you know it, it's it's always enough and it's never anything more it's like yeah. it's really intelligent fucking awesome, yeah. playing yeah it's got that real like nasty blues, like old old school vibes in his yeah, stuff. Yeah, and he plays like, like some you know like old beat up shit. Yeah, he's got like an old. <laughs> he's not like, he's not trying to make it like sound fancy. He's like, oh well, here's a, a just like, a little pickup in an old busted guitar. This is what I sound like. He's got this old Gretsch. I forget the model, but he puts <laughs> he's he's got a pair of his underwear that he puts in the f holes to like. Help fight the feedback, which is pretty funny. Yeah, that that one's mine. Mark, what do you got? What, uh, what number four? Yeah, follow that, Mark Brown. (laughs) I got it's already been mentioned. Follow old old underwear in the F holes. (laughs) Ain't got it, but uh, doing something so live 2001, one in seven. Hurry up and wait, dude. That record's great. <laughs> I was, I was, I was debating over whether or not to put that or Soul Live, the the live record that has Elron on it, because I yeah, love that album. Two thousand three one. Yeah, yeah but I love that record. But I is think that, is that live from Tokyo or just live? Just live. It's just called okay. Soul Live. Live. It's just actually, gotcha. it's just called Soul Live. That's the name of the record. Soul Live. Gotcha. Um, but uh, this album has more more recognizable like. The, if so, like Soul Live's hits, like when you go, like fans of Soul Live want to hear the songs off of this record. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 version of Cannonball is fucking great. 
Um, it's a great record, so nothing's been said about it, but my number four. Yeah. Nice. Jordan wow. August. Number four, where are we? Uh, the Postal Service, Give Up, from 2003. Nice. I do not um, know this band. I don't know either. I don't know either. Okay, so it's it's the singer, songwriter, guitar player from Death Cab for Cutie. Mm-hmm. And uh, a guy named uh, Jimmy Tamborello. He goes under the name Dental D N T E L. He's like a <laughs> he's like an a, like kind of like a breakbeat ambient like a like a sound musician. Okay. Um. So the Postal Service is these two guys writing music. One lived in New York. One lived in L.A. And they were just sending tracks to one another, and they put out an album, and it was huge. Um, it was huge. Uh, ne- next number. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. Huge. That's awesome. That's awesome. Huge. It was awesome, and it's really. Um, so, like, I remember Death Cab for Cutie, and I was like, "Oh, this is like bullshit pop, whatever." Not yeah. my cup of tea. I kind of like them. Yeah. I never really hated them. It was just not my thing. And then this like record dropped and it dropped digitally. And I was like, holy shit. And it's like, it's songwriting with electronic, you know, an electronic band. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is, this is something that I've never really heard. And it inspired me personally to like push my boundaries and buy certain little toys and, you know, attempt to to record, which I never really did. I mean, I, I definitely have recordings that no one should be listening to. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was, it was just it was really good stuff. And um, I'm trying to think, like, I mean, just want lyrical content, composition, musicianship, and I love, especially right now with obviously we're all in quarantine. We're doing a podcast you know virtually these dudes did this in 2003 and they did it because they lived across the country from one another and they were like buddies yeah and they just they put out an album to put out an album and i wish more people did that yeah i i just think it was cool you know and this is this is a time when like digital music was not a thing in 2003 that was not I mean, like it was, but it wasn't. It's early, yeah. You know, like they they put out a, a CD. Um, they did not put out a vinyl until maybe like four or five years ago. Um, but it's it's really good songwriting, and the stories in the the content are really cool. It's just it's it's a great album, and it, it influenced me a lot emotionally, and it, a lot of the people around me like were were into it when it came out, so. It it made oh. it made it high up in in the list, even compared to like some other stuff that you know I think was more worldly. Uh, but you picked it because it was influential to you. Yeah, it was influential to me, and I think it was really innovative for the time. And it was a really ballsy move. Like they didn't spend a ton to produce it, but they put a lot of money behind it to get it out to, to the people. And that was a really ballsy move. That's so cool. Definitely gonna check that out when I get a minute. All right. That's that's my choice. I like it. That's hey. a good choice. Hey, good choice. Hey. That's a good choice. All right. Here's my number three. Bruce Springsteen. It is. 
No. <laughs> um, so actually, I realized halfway through this uh, podcast that I fucked up and I forgot about John Mayer. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. So I looked through my list and I actually was like, ah, I can cut some things here. Um, <laughs> so I was it was a toss up between Continuum, the album that he won the Grammy for, uh, which was produced, uh, I think. No, it wasn't produced by Steve Jordan, but Steve Jordan was all over it. Or uh, this is the record I actually chose live in L.A. It's the best live record hmm. uh, I have. Um, and the reason why I say that is because he opens with just him playing solo acoustic like he's his own opening act. And then the second act is the John Mayer trio, like all the hits. And then the last uh, act is him, his full band. So he plays three times in a show, three different amalgamations of himself. And I think it's the best John Mayer release ever. I think so too. And he presents himself in all three styles. And I think it's incredible. I think that the audience reaction is great. And the, the whole show just flows from top to bottom. And the they guitar playing is awesome. And it's really hard to find. Oh, really? Did they just like discontinue it? Or is it just. Yeah, it was like a, you know, they probably made release. like 5,000 copies or something. And like for the world. Is there oh, a wow. DVD of that too? Yes, I have. There is a have DVD. It. Yeah. Um, it's 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 incredible. It does like behind the scenes and shit, and yeah, everyone's hilarious. It's a great, great, great uh, concert vid. Uh, but that's my number three, Mark. I mean, Luke, Luke, what, what year was Mark that? Luke. Mark Luke, Luke Brock. Uh, that would have been two thousand nine. No, no, I'm sorry, that's not right. That doesn't sound right. That's Hold wrong. On. That's way wrong. Continuum was two thousand six or something. I'm drunk. I'm looking. It's uh, two thousand eight. I'm drunk. Two thousand eight. <laughs> two thousand eight. I was close. I was a year off. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three hundred sixty-five days, bitch. Bitches. Uh, Bitches. My, my number three is D'Angelo Voodoo. Nice. It's a great record. I think we already talked a lot about it, so I don't have anything else to add. Are we? Are we at that point where people just are repeating things and we just say next? <laughs> all these top it's 10 lists is like you do like you do like the first like the the 10 through six are always weird and different and then when we get to the top five everyone has kind of the same like yeah, it's all about, the same you know, stuff, i think it's you know? good i'm not i'm not bashing luke's choice at all i'm just yeah, saying it's, what are you saying rob saying bitch you better come <laughs> over my house <laughs> West Philly, i think it's all about how, how each of us like weigh in you know yeah, per sure. per voicing you know if even if like if you know if Mark says something and I had it on there, if I'm like mm, maybe I'll have have my time to shine on my I, own time. I do have or, a feeling my top three you guys aren't gonna have on your list. I think though, just saying. I'm interested. Are all, are they all bridge records? <laughs> <laughs> they all they did all. That's not true. They didn't all come out in the two. Three of them did. Save that for I, next podcast. <laughs> I definitely will say that my top three. You guys will definitely have probably not heard of one of them. Disagree with one so of a fish them. Fish album in there somewhere? There is not. It's in. An, I have an honorable hey, mention. You, <laughs> you haven't had a fish record yet, Jordan. I'm shocked about that. Honestly, I mean, I don't think I. I I'm my approach to this is different. It's all about fish. Yeah, I think I think that's the most striking thing right. about this how we all approach it, which is I think unique in our. Uh, own way individually but mine was completely well, what influenced me you know what's crazy too is like the first the 60s and 70s were like records that influenced me but also records that were like very popular and influenced a lot of other people but like when we get to like the later years like especially the 2000s these are these are albums that influenced me and there's so much 
material that like you know like Martin Sexton like no one I figured no one else was going to have that obviously yeah, you know what I mean that, I yeah, was, yeah yeah you know what I mean like and there's so yeah. and, and then you'll see that in my top 3 too or at least one of one of my top 3 I don't think any of you guys will have that like it's just like it's just stuff that was not on Billboard was not on Rolling Stone but it was like shit that like in that in this decade influenced mm-hmm. me as a musician and a player you know what I mean more I, I so think in the 60s. more more recent stuff i mean with the internet and the mm-hmm. ability to just produce and get more music out there makes yeah. it so you can like do such a wider variety whereas like in the 60s it was a lot smaller and it was yeah. you know there's probably a lot going on but you're not going to hear it exactly yeah i th- i think now with with the the 2000s the, the, a little bit of the 90s but the 2000s and then the 2010s like i think it is more personal Mm-hmm. For me, yeah, I, I, that, that's a good way to describe it. For me too, it's it's more personal because I remember like, I wasn't alive in the sixties and seventies. I mean, I I right. experienced those. I mean, like I have my dad's copies and I listen to those albums, but like for sure, the two thousands and the nineties for me were more personal, especially the two thousands because that's when I really like started to discover. I wanted to play music for a living. I was like, I want to play music for a living. So I started discovering yeah. artists that I had never listened to before. You know yeah. I, mean? I joined my first touring band in 2003. Yeah. Yep. So, nice. you know, like this is, this is when it all. And yeah, like, dude, I was, I was playing T-ball. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was playing Broadway musicals in 2003. So <laughs> fuck all y'all. <laughs> Both of it. All three are cool. <laughs> no. I was teeing off my balls. I, I went to to the Alamo <laughs> with this band. We did a we did a tour all the way to Texas. We went to the Alamo. Did you do a line of ants? Did you just snort a line of ants? I know I did. Take a piss in the I, Alamo and get banned. I got in a really big fucking argument with the uh, the bass player as we were parking the car at the Alamo because his his brother was the drummer <laughs> and his brother drove like a fucking dick all the time, and it was my van. Like I I had bought this big fucking dope conversion van and it like his brother always drove it like a dick and i gave him a bunch of shit <laughs> on the way to to uh san antonio and his brother decided you know the bass player decided to fucking blow up as we're like <laughs> parking the fucking van nice. oh, I, was like, I was like fuck you and we took a band picture outside of the alamo <laughs> And we all like fucking smile, and the bass player just looks like he's gonna like shoot up the fucking world. Ah. It's really weird. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mention him because we 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 still don't speak. But <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Who's uh, who's uh, up? Who's up here? Mark Band Brown. Uh, Mark Brown, number number three. three. Derek Trucks already free. Oh damn! I from the opening notes of Down in the Flood when it fades in. To sweet inspiration, Kofi's organ playing on that tune, like I fucking hell yeah. what's that? Oh, I just said hell yeah. I fucking love that record, man. Uh, that that's that's an album too. Like I love Derek Trucks. I love his playing. I love his band. There's no there's there's no weak spot. Like he he's got a band that there's no weakness. Like everyone brings yeah. something yeah. to the I table. He does such a good job, and this band does such a good job at highlighting every person's strengths. Like, like, yep. Obviously, Kofi's B uh, three playing, gospel playing, and Mike singing, and he mm-hmm. picks material for these guys to just put their stamp on and what they can do best. And he brings yeah. the best out, and the the best that they have out in that. It's like a real 
culmination of that. I saw them the on this, on the tour for this record, and it was it's sick. It's probably one of it, it. It has to be in my top five shows I've ever seen in my life. Where did you see them? Uh, in Pittsburgh at the Pepsi something. It was it was like a. 2000 seat arena the the bleh op- open for that man in Schmitzburg. So, yeah yeah it was but oh, that's the only time you saw him is when he opened for that him? was i've seen him twice but that was the better show i saw him somewhere else where did i see him i saw him in oh, fuck i saw him in upstate new york in uh like the same place i saw deep purple the kenan degua performing arts center or whatever and like it's like Syracuse. it's like Syracuse. last man but like the best show i ever saw was this show in pittsburgh cuz it was like it was like a it was like this giant warehouse that was turned into like a concert venue, and it was like it was kind of like City Winery. Remember, we played City City Winery with James Hunter. It was like that. It was like a big room with like seating, and there was no dance floor. It was like just yeah. seating, and like they they had dinner service, and then we played like during dinner, and then Derek played. They like kind of like cleared the tables, and people just hung out and drank, and Derek played, and it was on the tour for this record, and it, dude, awesome. it was. It was Fucking! They opened with "Down in the Flood," and it was nice. so cool. Um, That's sick, dude. The, the band was so good. I don't. I mean, like it was just incredible. It, it was like, and it was like very. No one was like, the, <laughs> no one was prancing around the stage like Mick Jagger. It was just like the the music spoke. The music was the energy. There was no like mm. like the the stage presence wasn't in like how they conducted themselves on the stage. It was in their music. In the notes that they played, and the chords they played, that's how yeah, they played yeah. them, and it was fucking totally. amazing. You know what I mean? It was so good. Yeah, that's how it so should cool. be, and that's how, yeah, that's how I mean. Derek Trucks is not a frontman. No, you know, like he is. He's if you see him smile, you're like, damn, must be a special night, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Seriously, seriously though, yeah. No, and like, and I'm I'm not talking shit. Like that man is is a you know is a gem, and I'm. Well, we're all lucky to be alive and got have gotten to see him. Well, dude, it's you it's know? crazy. Like when when like when we were sound checking, he came out real quick to grab something, and he said hi to us. And like he looked like a shy. He looked super like he did, like not like I don't want to talk to you. I'm too good for you kind of attitude. But like I'm super shy and I'm not very social. And like you know what I mean? Like you know that kind of person. Yeah. Like you yeah. kind of can tell. Like they they. They're nice. They just like don't know how to like communicate with people. So they like keep they like don't make eye contact and they're kind of like real shy. That was kind of how always, he was. It was really weird. Like I always wonder like what like life is like with him and Susan Tedeschi at home. <laughs> I bet. Well, she, she's definitely the the energy in in the room. I think or not, yeah. not the energy, but like she's. I know just, they bring their kids on the road a lot. That's cool. They tutor. I didn't even I know they, they had kids. It's so weird. They bring their kids on the road a lot, and their dad, Derek's dad. I forget what his name Derek's is. Derek's dad was merch. He was the merch guy when we played with him too. He was. Oh really? Dude, he was hilarious. He was fucking hilarious. Because <laughs> I remember, so like, because I was the new guy in the bridge at the time. This was like 2009, I think. So I was, I was the, I, I was the new guy in the bridge. So I always had, I always had to do merch. So they're like, hey, Kenny, hey, go run merch. I'm, I'm too busy. I'm smoking a cigarette. Fucking go, Kenny. Go run merch. So so I was like running merch. It was me and or whoever, Budman, I think was there. It was me and Budman and and Derek Trucks' dad. And dude was fucking hilarious. Yeah. He, just had, he had like Crazy. tons of stories. 
and just like and he just like laugh and joke and he had like hot chicks and be like hey check out that check out the ass on that chick you know like yeah. he was fucking hilarious <laughs> dude like, <laughs> you know what i mean that's awesome. so have you seen or listen they did a live at the uh Fox Theater, I think it's called, in Oakland, California. Yeah, it's on Spotify. Is that Tedeschi Trucks or just Derek Trucks? Tedeschi Trucks. It's awesome. But there's also vinyl, brother. Oh, really, dude? It's fucking sick. Nice. There's also a DVD that I have, and there's like segments of uh, showing like behind the scenes of his dad doing merch, and there's scenes with like these chicks walking up, and he's like hitting on them and shit. It's pretty funny. Dude, he was fucking fucking hilarious, dude. (laughs) The best part of that night was hanging out with his dad, just at the merch (laughs) (laughs) store. That's awesome. And and if I could say, like, like, everyone in that band was super nice, too. Like, there was no no head cases. Everyone was really, really nice. I got to play Kofi's organ, and he was cool. That's really cool. Everyone was so not like there was nobody was like a dick. You know, Yanrico Scott was cool. It was oh, all awesome. It was awesome. So. It's crazy. Yanrico and Kofi are dead. I know. Um, very it's, unfortunately. It's nuts, man. Yeah. Yeah. But. So weird. And 2009 was like the last year that band was together. That's that's such a bummer because that I I mean I love I love Susan and I love that the band they have now but I think that the Derek Trucks band was the best was like his Dude, that was the best definitely. It, Thing that he well, was I th- doing. I think you know? it was. I think it was also like more music forward because it was more of an instrumental band. Obviously, right. like yeah. they had the yeah. singer, but it was definitely more of an instrumental band. And I think the first like two records were ninety percent instrumental. Three records. That's yeah. amazing. And uh, like when you put a group of guys like that together, like you want them to play. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Jordan, do you remember uh, all good? Two two thousand eight or nine. It was uh, uh, Derek. Uh, Derek. The Derek Trucks did this. Um, fuck. Sorry, I've been drinking. Soul Stew Revival. So yeah, Soul Stew Revival. You remember that? It was two thousand eight. Yeah, two thousand eight. Yes, that yeah, that yeah. I think was the best iteration of anything I've seen because it was like two drummers, Derek and Susan, but it was still it wasn't like Tedeschi Trucks yet. It was still right. like more Derek. Less I Susan. think that, that was like that's what spawned it was yeah. that was that year and, and it was like, cool it was awesome I yeah and Derek I awesome. think he had already recorded that next record and like had to do a tour yeah yeah you know like he had to promote the record and like it was before like they had started banging but they weren't like fish <laughs> I just remember I, I told I told I told Luke the story I think I, I remember like walking between the tour buses. And Susan came out, and she she'd been drinking like a bottle of wine, and she was like, "Have you guys seen Derek? Where's Derek? Tell Derek I'm looking for him." <laughs> and I, I I think I was with I was with Chris and Patrick, I think, and we're like, uh, "I don't haven't seen him. I don't know. Maybe he's on the bus. I don't know." <laughs> That's so funny. Dude, That's I think hard. they met because she was. Opening up for the Almond Brothers for a run. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure I. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. She was opening up the Almond Brothers, and that's, that's how they met. That's cool. I think it's it was crazy. 2000, 2009. I photographed the Almond Brothers. It was the one and only time. It was at All Good. That's sick. Was it the yeah. All Good that we played before them? Yeah. You played right before them, yeah. That would have been. That was later. That was like 2012 or something. It was, oh, it was, it was after yeah, the bridge no, broke it was, up. It was it was Ohio. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. The, it was the Ohio shows. Yeah, I remember that because when they brought Greg off the bus, we weren't allowed to get close to the stage. Like, yeah, they no, they made like I a path. 
and they like yeah, yeah. helped him onto the stage and we weren't allowed to we couldn't even get i couldn't even see him there were so many people around i couldn't i was a I was, a I was a staff photographer for the festival like for the owners and i was not allowed on the stage for that set either wow that's crazy um i did smoke a joint with bob weir that year that's pretty cool. <laughs> wow and and eric krasno at the same time eric krasno passed me the joint i went to i handed it I went to hand it back to Krasno and he said, no, I pass it down. And I looked to my left and I was standing next to Bob Weir and I didn't even know it. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, and I just gave the joint, I gave the joint to Bob Weir and I looked back at Krasno and he just like started laughing at me. And then I like had anxiety and I left. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. I'm out. <laughs> I was like, oh. and it was funny because we were standing side stage, main stage watching big gigantic. It was like two 30, three 30 in the afternoon. Big Gigantic wasn't huge, and it was just really funny. Like, I knew why Krasno was there, but, like, how the fuck was Bob Weir watching <laughs> Big Gigantic, you know? Probably wanted to smoke a joint. I mean, he was just, he needs to fucking, he just lives his life. Bob Weir, dude. Bob Weir. Uh, speaking of Bob Weir, I watched, uh, so the, I watched the, the Dead and Company. They, 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 they've been putting, like, shows online to watch. I watched one from like a year, a couple years ago, a year, year ago. It was really good, man. John Mayer sounds great with them. I don't know. I, I, I liked it a I, lot. I, I mean, you know? I've always loved John Mayer in general, and I do love John Mayer playing with them. He definitely brings life. But I think my my biggest beef with Dead & Company, no offense, Dead & Company, don't, don't kill us, is... <laughs> I'm sure they're really Bob, listening to this podcast. Not Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Bobby, love you, but Bobby should just not be singing every damn jerry well tune. so yeah so bob what did i bobby sang something that was definitely a jerry tune and i was like eh, eh, eh. yeah <laughs> you know yeah i don't remember what tune it was it's great it it's happens great. a lot i mean like i mean it it happens too but much but you know it's it, i mean i get it like he's an original member he's saying it i mean i guess if i was like a deadhead like from the old school, I'd be like, oh, Bobby, cool, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I guess that, you know, whatever. I'm like, I'm a deadhead and I'm like, Bobby, cool, but I'm like, Bobby, don't sing Jerry songs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like I'm a fish fan, but I'm, I'm definitely like a, a deadhead from, right. you know, b- before listening to fish. And sure. Oh, you know, I, I, I also don't, I don't love the way John sings everything. And John, like my, I'm talking like my friend John, my buddy John, my buddy, my buddy John. Did, John I, I, say that I, I heard him sing Althea, and I thought it was too, it was too good. It, it was it, like I, so. It, that's what that I was going to say. He puts like this, like this flavor in it, and like yeah. he, he is like a good singer. It's so, cool, you know, but it's not it, Jerry. It's not Grateful Dead. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm like, wow, you really turned like a great song, and you, you made it better, but it made it worse at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I think he sings um, "Brown Eyed Women." I think that sounds really good. There's a, there's a couple others. He he tends to sing like the slower songs, and Bobby's yeah. Bobby's <laughs> fucking Bobby's just like, nope, it's my band now. Look <laughs> 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 at my short shorts. Who's playing I'm keys Bobby. in that band? In Jeff Company. Jeff Shimenti. Oh, Jeff Shimenti, cool. So yeah, from I don't I don't know where he came from, but like obviously from further. Yeah. I don't know. Was I don't know he where like he a was. Band, like a jam band prior? He, I mean, he had to have been something. I mean, like, I mean, that's that's worth a Google, too. Cause I'm, why do you spell his last name? <laughs> it's weird. C-H, 
C H E M. Oh, got it. There it is. He was in. He was in Rat Dog. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. I knew that. that <laughs> worst dead band ever. <laughs> they were terrible. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, like going like, doing drugs. Like I could go to. I could do cocaine and go see Rat Dog and go to bed. Dude, all it says for his other acts it says Rat Dog, Les Claypool's Flying Frog Brigade. The other ones, the dead, further, Golden Gate Wingmen, and Dead and Company. All it says. Okay, so he was with the other ones. So the other ones was what started right after Jerry died. Okay, okay. So they, they brought him in right after that. So he's just been, like, affiliated with Dead Incorporated since, yeah. you know. That's crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Lucky him. He's probably fucking loaded. Speaking of lucky, we got Jorgen August going with his number three yeah, pick. Yeah, that was a tangent right there. You can cut that. You can cut that shit out. Um, number three, Jordan August. What year was this? Two thousand five. The Icelandic band Sigaross. Oh shit, man! Cool. With their album Talk, T A K K. Not sure if that's how you say it, but that's how I say it. Talk. I don't know that band at all. Um. This is one of my top three bands of all time. No shit. Um, it's pretty sweet, man. What's I, the vibe? It's ambient. It's ambient, um, kind of instrumental. They're it's kind of post-rocky, right? Like yeah, it's it's, po- it's, po- it's, yeah. it's post-rock. Um, but like a lot of it, so like the guitar player, he he sings in Icelandic, but he also like kind of makes up his own stuff. So like a lot of it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's you know it's like his own language. It's his own language, and he plays the guitar with a bow. Oh, I've um, heard of this, and they're they're unbelievable. Like when I when I go to music festivals and i like go to sleep and obviously like people are partying around me i put my headphones in this is the band i put on um it's very calming but they also have songs that like build and build and get so intense it's like an atom bomb going off musically as i think they're only like a four piece or a five piece Hmm. um it's like kind of symphonic and obviously it's not English, so it's even cooler. It's just, I mean, they're they're unbelievable. This is like one of the best bands ever. That's so cool. Um, they do really weird time signatures, but you would never understand it because of like just this groove and this vibe that they get you in. You 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 like forget to count. Like mm-hmm. if, as a musician, like I'm not counting. I'm just like I'm in it. I'm just there. Um, this is the first Cigarettes record I ever heard. Um, it's not their first record. Uh, it was cor- it was recorded in 2004 to 2005. It came out September 2005. It's it's unbelievable. And fun fact, <laughs> fun fact. And we can delete this out of uh, the podcast. But fun fact, when I was in high school, I was already you know like I already been playing guitar, but I took uh, I had to do art credits, and so I took guitar one. Which is like, <laughs> you know, like hot cross buns kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> so I, I walk into the class and the guitar player was like, yeah, like, I'm just going to give you your own thing to do. 
and I was a sophomore in in high school. So this was like 2000, 2001 or two thousand two, and uh, there was another guy, and he was a senior, and he also was in Guitar One, and he was just getting his last art credit before graduating. His name was Alex Summers, and we I got put in a room, he got put in a room, and the whole other class had to like be in the big room. And so like for our final, we just had to, you know, pick a piece to perform. So I just, I picked a random song, you know, I don't even remember what I played, played a song. Cool. He comes out in a dress (laughs) with with makeup on and he had wrote a song and it was unbelievable. You know, fast forward, you know, 10 years, he moved to Iceland, uh, came out of the closet is a gay man, married, the singer from Sigur Ross oh, wow. does has been doing and continues to do all of their artwork and now does these crazy orchestra shows with the singer, guitar player, composer from Sigur Ross all over the world. And we like wow. were in guitar class together. We grew up in like we graduated from Eldersburg, Maryland. <laughs> and like, like the most nobody town of nobody towns it's like it's it's so it's it's so crazy that a band that i loved before i knew he had any affiliation with and i was like holy shit wait alex summers of these artwork that's really crazy that's really cool and they like him and the and the um the singer from cigarettes have their own album it's called jonesy and alex like it's he's it's just crazy that's so cool man this this music isn't is incredible everyone should listen to it before you go to bed tonight it's like it's that good wow it's on my list all right here's my number two this is rob tate with his number two number two is Nora jones come away with me oh there it is uh the reason why it's so high is because i listen to it all the time to put me to sleep not in a bad way it's just the great calming record and what's been said uh doesn't need to be said again it's a great album that's my number two i agree i'm uh, that's another audible mention right there what do you got, Lukey Dookie? Uh, no, definitely, definitely be checking that one out. Mine is Johnny D. Francesco, and it's a live record called Power Trio Live of Vincent. Who Vincent's else is on it? Is, what's that? Who else is on it? Uh, Paul Kleinfelter, who we played with last oh. month. Yeah, cool. And uh, my dad's a drummer on it. Oh, nice. But I definitely, Vincent's was a club in Westchester that I used to go to all the time when I was like, 15 and 60 my mom would drive me there and drop me off at like 10 p.m and she'd pick me up at 2 a.m and i would just reek of cigarettes <laughs> not because i was smoking but because you could smoke inside oh the good old days and uh i would always check out all the different bands but i always kind of like this one the best and this is a live record that they did there i think it was in like 99 or something like that it came out in 2000 though but um yeah it's all like blues power trio blues stuff really intense and um lots of classic blues tunes but uh it just fucking rocks <laughs> so, really cool and a huge huge part of me oh yeah uh learning how to play and where i come from musically that's awesome i can't I'll definitely check can't that understate out. understate that enough yeah that's awesome or overstate that enough all right mark brown number two sick number two and <laughs> Anders Osborne, Ash Wednesday Blues. 
Nice. You made us listen oh, to that nice. one, bro. Wow. Yeah, dude. So, again, I mean, I, I, it's not like a broker record, but like when I joined, when I joined the, I li- <laughs> the bridge. <laughs> I love how you always clarify it after. <laughs> I, I like, well, like the podcast listeners don't know what means. No, I know. You know, I know. They I do know. by now. Well, all all seven of our subscribers, Coop and Maggie are two of the seven. So, but, yeah. <laughs> um, so of all his records, like this album was like, I, Chris Jacobs turned me on to this record and it, it's like every song on this record is gold. It's, it's raw. There's no overdubs to the point where you can actually hear Anders cueing the band that, Hey, we're going to the bridge now. Like, it's, cool. it's yeah it's like super raw there's no bass player kirk joseph the tuba player from derby dirty dozen brass band is playing tuba instead of bass on it um it's fucking great i was looking at the the credits too i didn't know this johnny lang actually plays on it so does kev oh, shit. yeah i didn't know that just as johnny lang guitar and vocals and, and kev mo plays banjo and and percussion on it so well, that's, that's crazy cool. so um, and then Tim Green, the the sax, the New Orleans sax player who just passed away a couple of years ago, he's on it, and he's fucking. He was this this band. This was Anders' band prior to Hurricane Katrina, and also prior to him getting sober. Um, and I know this sounds terrible, but I always I always feel like artists their shit sounds better before they get clean, and then it gets like kind of weird and dirgy and you know what I mean like this yeah. was like the height of Anders he was like a he was like a junkie <laughs> yeah he was he was a dope head. he was a straight up fucking dope head but yeah. like this fucking record like epitomizes what when I think of Anders Osborne I think stone drunk and naked I think um yeah 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 you know like all all all, the, all that shit um I played stone drunk and naked on my on my live stream that I did on Facebook a couple weeks did ago you, oh, damn, nice it's like soul uh soul living is a great tune. Um he does oh dude he does uh aim aiming way high and improvise that tune. You know that tune improvise, Jordan? Have you heard that tune? Yep. Uh, that that tune I fucking love that tune. It's it's like it's like simple New Orleans two chord jams but like the lyrics are incredible. The playing his, is incredible his and it's melodies super raw. Are his awesome. I agree. I agree. His melodies are awesome. All of his songs even when he got clean Mm-hmm. Uh, the the album coming home, you know, again two yeah. chord songs. That's a great record. Incredible melodies, yeah. and even they're almost like the same melodies. But he d- like when he goes to a chorus, same mm-hmm. melody, and he puts like one high note in there. Yeah, and it, it changes everything. He has such and a power. That's what makes him so good. He mm-hmm. he produced. Anders Osborne is now like a producer. Mm-hmm. He's like he's got like a you know a studio in New Orleans. Yeah, he pr- produced the new. Uh, um, uh, not Mark Broussard. Who's the dude from fucking Boston that lives in Ryan Montblou? Thank you, Montblou. He produced the new Montblou record. Yeah. Um, yeah. he dude, he's a he's a smart dude, and and he fucking like he has such a powerful voice too. Like I saw, I saw him. He did a tour with uh, it was um. Mark Broussard, it was like an acoustic thing. There was no band. It was him, Mark Broussard, J.J. Gray, and then part of the tour had Chris Jacobs, but then the other part of the tour had 
uh, uh, Luther Dickinson from North Mississippi All Stars. Oh, they did that 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 in the round thing. Yeah, it was like just four guys playing acoustic guitar or whatever, right? Yeah, or three guys. I saw I saw them at DC at the the Howard Theater. Did you see it with Chris or was was I, it with? I saw it with with Chris. Okay, so I saw it without. I didn't. So when I saw it, it wasn't Chris. It was Luther, Anders, and JJ Gray. And I saw Mark Broussard, Chris Jacobs, Anders, and Luther. Oh, so you saw. So, okay. So anyway, Sorry. Uh, Anders did like a solo thing. Like he came out and he played by himself. He played by himself like a tune. And his voice, he was like not even near the microphone. And his voice is so powerful and so strong, yeah. and like blew my mind, man. Like I don't know his his writing and his and the way he performs and the way he puts all of, all of his energy into it and it's just so good, man. And that this album is probably my my favorite. Of all his records, I always doubt. wonder, like, like an an artist like him, like, you know, like obviously we're all musicians and we and we give a shit about the little people and the big people and everybody in between, and mm-hmm. like where Anders is gonna fall, you know, yeah. thirty five years from now. Well, didn't he play with like Phil and Friends or Dead and Company or who do who did he play with? He played with somebody. He played the Dead. He played with the Dead. He did a Phil and Friends thing, but I mean, like. He's not a dead guy. He's a New Orleans guy. Yeah, right. You know, right. so it's like we I think when we like right now as a whole, the world is looking at New Orleans as like Alan Toussaint and Dr. Mm. John and these people that had like hits. See, like when you look, you look forward, like think about our generation, like we're the next generation. Yeah, of that. I think I think Anders, I think John Grow. Yeah, I like think- jo- I, Ivan I Neville. You know what I mean, I mean yeah. I, yeah, Ivan Neville because well, he's a Neville, but like I I worry that like Anders is gonna like get lost. John, I, I think not. John Gro I think John Gro might get lost. Well like, John, John Gro I think more so than Anders, I think he'll definitely get lost. Don't you, I don't think you John Gro's like a session guy, but like he didn't have like I don't think he had songs that like resonate completely. Right, Maybe like, that's just me. Maybe that's just me as like a songwriter, and like I, I, I definitely push more towards Anders Osborne. Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, I think both, both of them could end up getting lost, and it's like yeah. it's, it's scary. Well, so, and along those lines, think, thinking of John Groh, I agree with you. I, th- I think, I think Anders, I gravitate to more towards Anders too. Even though I'm a keyboard, I'm an organ player. I love John Groh, but like when I think of New Orleans. And that style, aside from like the typical Neville, Doctor John, whatever, I For think sure. of Anders. I think, I think, um, but there, there's a great record, a, a, a companion, a listening companion to this album should be Anders live at Jazz Fest, the year after Katrina. Uh-huh. So it's 2000, what six, whatever, whatever the year after Katrina would have been. Um, it's it's not available on CD, but I downloaded it on iTunes like six years ago, or whatever. It's fucking amazing. It's this. It's this band. So it's the band that's on Ash Wednesday Blues. Kirk Joseph playing tuba, but then it's fucking John Grow on organ. Oh, badass! So it's 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 and it's Eric Bolivar, who's the drummer. Who was the drum? He played with everybody, but he was the drummer in Pimps of Joy Time, and who else they played with? But it's Eric mean, he Bol- he was with Anders for forever. Yeah, he was. So it's it's him on and drums. He got he got sick. Well, yeah, he had cancer or something, right? Yeah, has or, cancer. Or he has cancer. Okay. Yeah, he got cancer. He like he got, had to get off the road because he was so sick. But that band, it's like John Groh on keys, Kirk Joseph, Anders, 
Tim Green on sax, R.I.P. Because Tim Green was the fucking man, and fucking, sure. fucking Eric Boulevard. That dude, they do. Oh, so Anders had a tune called "Oh Katrina," which is of course about Katrina, but it, it sang like a love song, like a like a breakup song. And that but, was on the the Coming Home record, right? But he does it in that in that live at Jazz Fest, and he fucking cries at the end. He like tears up at the end. You can hear it. His voice cracks. It's fucking. It's amazing, dude. It's awesome. It's so good. So anyway, this album, sorry to derail us, but this album and that Live at Jazz Fest 2006, those two records are the the quintessential Anders Anders albums. All all very relevant derailings. Well well done, Mark Brown. Thank you, bro. (laughs) Anders Osborne. Oh, and one more thing, one more thing. So it's literally right after Katrina. So they close with Oh Mama. Jordan, you know that tune, right? It's like oh, it's yeah. like a fast New Orleans groove yeah. tune, um, but at the end, like you hear Kirk Joseph stops playing the bass. It's like a one chord jam. It's like a, on a B flat, like a one chord jam. Kirk Joseph stops playing the bass line and he and he yells to the crowd, "Get up! It could be raining. It could be a hurricane, but it's not. So get off your ass and dance." And it's fucking <laughs> dude. It's so fucking awesome. And the crowd just fucking eats it up, man. It, that awesome. shit's so good, man. So anyway, fuck yeah. I've said enough. Sorry. <laughs> I'm off my soapbox now. Sorry. Mark guys. Brown, ladies and gentlemen. I could. Anders Osborne, dude. You talk about Anders Osborne all fucking day. <laughs> right, Jordan August, number two. Oh, shit. It's my turn. Uh, Jordan August. Uh, 2005. Another. This is probably, I'm going to say, top five records ever for me. Uh, Gorillas Demon Days. Nice. Ooh. Um, My friends made me listen to this record all the time. Fucking Damon Auburn, genius. He, I mean, he came from that band Blur, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, like woohoo. Yeah. Um, that was garbage. The Gorillas <laughs> have been innovative from the beginning. This record blew my mind. I'm like I'm looking at the track of the thing and I'm like oh let me like let me name a couple tunes I'm like no because I'm I'm gonna sit here and name them all but obviously feel good you know incorporated was was the big hit uh, it had De La Soul on it um, kids with guns uh, November has come had MF Doom on it uh, fire coming out of a monkey's head had Dennis Hopper on it like just it's like the craziest mix of songwriting with electronic music and hip hop, like this weird thing that doesn't exist. I think right now in outside of, you know, the gorillas and like, you know, they put out other albums and, but this one was a big one. And in general, it's, it's an animated band. So it's like, uh, you know how we look at a band like you the rolling stones and we can name all those members like you look at the gorillas and it's like it's five cartoon characters or four four cartoon characters it's like you're like okay there's these cartoons but who is the band and that's i think that's so cool it's kind of like goes back to the um daft punk daft punk thing with like wearing helmets and being this but i mean there's there's so many 
Ike Turner plays piano on this record. It's pretty like, cool. Wow. Um, there's like four. There's 47 musicians on this record. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Dude. Luke, that's Luke, Luke cleared his throat and he po- his hit face popped up on my screen like he's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, All right. This record's unbelievable. Everyone should listen to it. It's really good bike riding music. Uh, great music to fuck to. Um, like fucking. I love yeah. that. That's Jordan's like seal of approval. Is like great music to fuck to. Yeah, great music to bang to. to. Can you fuck to it? It's in my list. top ten. <laughs> actually me and, me and alex me and alex the first time we ever had sex was we i put this record on actually fun fact i will make sure to store that in my fun fact guide and ask alex <laughs> about it later <laughs> well if, all right just tell alex in hour three hours and 27 minutes into this podcast jordan said she, i feel like she usually listens to these so really Awesome. I think yeah, I think so. Sometimes so at, I like I'm listening to them, and I'm, she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, listen to the podcast to see if I sound like a fucking asshole or not." And she's like, "Oh, I'll listen to it." And then I'm like, "All right, well, I'm gonna go in the backyard." And then I come back in, and she's still listening to it. So that's cool. Hi, Alex. If you're still with us, we're sorry. Um, all right, here's my number one. We're in the one. Oh, here it is. Drum roll. Rob Tate, everybody. Coldplay's Viva La Vida. Even oh, though, wow. even though pe- think, people think that they stole the the music, I don't care. It's uh, a fucking amazing album. I what's listened the, to what's it. What's the record called? Ad nauseum. Viva la vida. Uh, I don't have the year on me. Um, what do you think? What do you mean they stole all the music? What's there, the... Uh, there's a there was a big lawsuit with Joe Satriani and them with uh, their big song. Um, I oh, hear yeah. generations of bells are ringing. That one. Um, that's when I ruled the world or whatever the hell it's called. Um, that was the big hit. And Joe Satriani had a song that sounds exactly like it. It's kind of hilarious. But um, and then like a bunch of other lawsuits came out as lawsuits do. But like the album is great. The 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 um, I would say the songs are amazing, but this has like a landscape. It definitely puts you into a place where these songs live and breathe. Very purple, very dark, very like I said, landscape already, but like they're just great songs, and they're definitely uh, it's definitely an album to listen to while you're driving. Nice, and, uh, cool. Awesome. My number one pick, Luke. What's your number one pick? My number one pick is Derek Chuck's band Joyful Noise because, of course, it is. Fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> <laughs> nice, buddy. I honestly could have put everything he did. I guess it would have had to be in the 2000s, but right. But yeah, but this is a great, great record. The title track, Joyful Noise, is like a gospel inspired type tune and uh i think really hits all the great notes and what i think of when i think of gospel music like a just joyful the joyful noise quite literally <laughs> there, there it's you a great go record man fuck yeah and then also it just jumps all over the place like there's uh actually i think um susan tedeschi sings on one which track is that She's on uh, "Baby, You're Right" track eight. Yeah, uh, it's a blues tune. It's like a James Brown song. It's awesome. And then, and then Kofi Burbridge wrote this tune called "Look Out 31." That's like a, I don't know, like a pretty adventurous fusion, I guess, song. That's pretty cool. And then the, the album ends with 
tune called Purcell, I think you pronounce it. I don't know. It's like a, uh, almost like a dark modal thing. I don't know. It's all over the place, but it, it still has a sense of like connectiveness. And this is kind of what got me back into music, this record and, and him in general. There was probably a period of time in college that I, well, there was a period of time in college that I didn't play for like a month. And that was the longest I'd ever gone. Wow, really? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I didn't play in a band or anything, and I would pick up my guitar kind of whenever I wanted to. But then once I heard him, I kind of was like, all right, I'm going to turn it on. Nice. Did you know that out of this, it's a 10-track record, and he, Derek Trucks only has writing credits on three songs? Wow. I didn't know. That's probably even kind of high, because on his other two ones, he He wrote, like, none. Yeah, similar, yeah. Especially like especially when you get into Tedeschi truck stuff, it's like Doyle Brommel, Krasno, and you know, like a couple other random writers, but I mean so yeah, man. Warren Ham- Mike Mike Madison actually is a huge songwriter for the Derek Trucks man and the Tedeschi Trucks man. He's the dude that leads Scrap and Maddock. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. But that yeah, is it's, an it's, it's all like bargain. everything is credited to like is Burbage. Take take Kofi. Yeah. That's wild. R.I.P. I don't even yeah, R.I.P. I don't even know how like you can <laughs> a lot of covers too. Head a band and then be like, hey, this is my album. I didn't write any of it. That's weird. <laughs> hey, hey, don't talk poorly about him. I I'm not talking <laughs> shit. It's, it's just it's just funny. It's like, I don't know. It sounds like, like that's what he's doing. <laughs> it's just like it's just crazy. I've always I I've always thought that was kind of crazy. Luke's gonna come over and stand outside your window. I know. So I thought about that too. <laughs> I mean his first all of his solo band records are like predominant. Well, we, you just said the same, predominantly covers or reinterpretations or other people's songs, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. It's interesting rather than amazing. Yeah. Hey, Mark, what you got? Number one. Number one. Drum roll. <laughs> the bridge. You don't always have to fuck her hard. In fact, oh sometimes God. that's not right oh to do. God. The D, bro. <laughs> The D, <laughs> the most tenacious of D's. The D. That... <laughs> oh my Mark god! Mark Brown giving us the D. That's your number one. That's my number one, dude. Because I played That's... the shit out of that record, F- dude. Fucking, I love that fucking album. <laughs> I listen to that album more than any other album in the two thousands. So That's fuck awesome. y'all. <laughs> Page, Pages that on self- that record. Pages is on it that. Self titled. I don't even. Is Self-titled? Yeah, self-titled. Tenacious D. You know, you, Paige plays keys on that record. It's, it's a great record, dude. Fuck yeah. Pa- Paige McConnell? Yeah. Paige McConnell's a keyboard player on that album. No shit. Yes, I he have is. To listen to that record. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Dude, like, that, there, there's, not a, there's not a song on that album that I can't sing to you right now. And and, <laughs> and I might. So you might We're not need, challenging you. You, you might need no, to no, no, mute no, no. me. But, like, <laughs> it, it, dude, it's a fucking great record. And, and it defines... It defines my 2000s, bro. It really, that's truly two, does. That's, I can't believe that was 2001. Yeah, dude. That's Holy crazy. shit. I saw, I saw them, so I've seen them twice, and both times, I, I mentioned earlier, like, my top five, like, concerts of the last, you know, this decade, whatever. But, like, the D definitely falls into that. They, they put on a great show, dude. They put on a great show. And they always have a great fucking band. 
regardless of whether dude, the last time I saw them, their their bass player was uh, Colonel Sanders, and their drummer was the fucking devil. And did, oh, that was it. Like what? Ultra was that? An ultra or something? Uh, I saw them at Bonnaroo, and that's how they uh, were. That, and, okay, and then I saw them. At, I thought saw them at nine thirty. Big festival. I saw them at nine thirty club in like around uh, shortly after this album came out. I saw them at nine thirty club. And isn't Dave Grohl the uh, drummer on a lot of it? Yeah, uh, yeah. On the on the record, I think Dave Grohl plays plays drums on the record. So the two big names on the album are, besides Jack Black and KG, it's it's uh, Dave Grohl and me and uh, KG. Me me and KG. It's all about sex, Supreme. We like the cream jeans. The cream. <laughs> dude, don't I? I'll sing the whole record right, right now, dude. Moving along, so we don't get stuck on no, this record. Seriously, That's seriously, it's a great it's a great fucking album. I know you guys are laughing, but it's a great fucking record, dude. You and, should put out like a part two of this podcast, and it's just Mark Brown instrumentally singing this entire album. sitting by himself, just singing the record, and then he's yeah, like, "Ooh, yeah. there's this great part." Da, 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 da. Yeah, put it, it put it on YouTube. It and, is a fucking like, amazing album, dude. Yeah. Amazing. Video record. it with like an iPhone six with the front camera. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jordan August here. What's your number, number one, one pick? Buddy? Radiohead, Kid A. Nice. Nice. That was the number one for Rolling Stones, too. Um, Rolling Stones. I, yeah, I saw that. This, I, this is one of those albums that made me, uh, you know, get into effects pedals and kind of relook at the way that I was. I was always a songwriter guy, like, you know, singer, songwriter stuff, like simple. Hey, who's a guitar? Write a song. Um, where Radiohead is like the fucking polar opposite of that. Uh, this album came out in 2000, which every time I, I I say that out loud, I'm so blown away by it because this album could have came out five days ago and it's still yeah. been really intense. Um, everything in its right place uh, is the opening track and is one of the best Radiohead songs ever. Um, Idiotech, uh, Optimistic, the National Anthem. It's this is just like uh, fucking drugs. This is, <laughs> this is like this drugs, is drugs. Bro. You know, like the best part of it all, all of the drugs, whether whatever, pick your poison. This record's for you. Um, I'll definitely check it out. It's it's amazing. It's fi- it's fifty minutes long. It's it's unbelievable. This is, I mean, th- this is top ten records of all time. Not, not. I mean, y- yes, by me, obviously, because it's on my number one list. But, um, I think if you googled, you know, top ten records of all time, this record probably falls in there. So, that's awesome. All right, that's all number numbers one through ten. You want to do? We your did it. Mentions? Yeah, well, we should do, do honorable mentions. mentions real quick. All right, I'm gonna do mine real fast. Alicia Keys song in A minor. Ryan Adams, Gold, Coldplay, Parachutes, U2's album, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, uh, The Killers, Hot Fuss, uh, let's see, and Amy Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, Jay-Z, The Black Album, and Jay-Z, The Blueprint. Nice. Those are my honorable mentions. Call on The Blueprint. Yeah, I like that album a lot, just not enough to make my top ten. Agreed. Luke, what you got? Uh, Derek Trucks song lines. Derek <laughs> Trucks already free. Song lines. Fuck yeah, one. already free, bro. Um, Wood Brothers. I think they're. It's called Loaded. 
and the other one is called Up Above My Head. And also, I listened to this the other day, and it was fucking awesome. The uh, Daryl Scott live in North Carolina record. Oh, that is that the, is that Marky... the record, dude? Is that is that so with good. Sam Bush too? That's the trio, right? That's the trio. I don't album. think so. Yeah, the trio. Just yeah. opera, fucking, dude. So good. That's so the one. Chris, Chris Jacobs turned me out of that album, dude. That album, dude. It, it's it's the whiskey yeah. that eases the pain, dude. Yeah, dude, that's, yeah I remember Scott, that Sam Bush is playing mandolin on that record. Not on the the tunes I've heard. I don't think so. I think I think it's no? just it's just a trio. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. I think I don't think there's any Mando or anything. But I remember being on the road one time and you were like, we were at the point where nobody was talking, <laughs> not because not because we were sick of each other, just because we were like deep into a drive and you put on that tune, and I was like reading or something, and I was like, holy shit, this shit is like. Was it? it really it's a whiskey. Cool. Is that what I put on? It's it's yeah, the whiskey. Yeah. It eases the pain. So good, dude. Daryl Scott's fucking amazing, dude. Daryl Scott is a really fun dude. I've hung out with him a few times too. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, it did at bluegrass festivals. He's like he seems like a really nice guy. He's just a he's just a fucking good old boy, you know. Yeah, but he's an amazing singer, amazing songwriter, and then also a fucking unbelievable guitar player. Yeah, he's like pulls out of his fucking pocket. It's like yo. Do you, that's awesome. That's that album has the miracle of living on it, right, Luke? You know that tune? Yeah, yeah. I love that. That tune makes me cry every time I listen to it. I don't know why. Yeah, it's, it's really great. Tune. It's a sad Crying Mark Brown. Yeah, that's that's the yeah, And then I put on. Record. You don't always have to fuck her hard, and I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. What are your honorable mentions, buddy? Honorable mentions. I got. I got a few. I got Mo Wormwood, and let me tell you why this is a great record, real quick. Oh I'll, Jesus! I'll, I'll be Here quick. we go. I'll be quick. No, no, no. So the way this album was recorded, they took live tracks from shows, and they took the bass and the drums from like a live jam, and then they overdubbed guitars and vocals in the studio. So bass That's and drums cool. are live from the That's show. Really cool. Yeah, it was That's kind really of a cool, cool concept. You know what I mean? Um, so that I love, cool. I love that record. Stiff upper lip, ACDC. Nice. Audio Slave, Audio Slave. I love Audio Slave. Robert Walter, nice. There Goes the Neighborhood, which 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 is basically what this band, Hambone Relay, is modeled after, that whole album. Um, and then uh, Soul Live, Live. Nice. It's a good bunch of albums there. Mention. Nice. So, all right, Jordan August. Uh, all right, I got Soul Live, Live. <laughs> um, I have the Japanese release of Fish's Farmhouse. Which oh. it came out in 2000, which it was it was really a, a 90s record, but the Japanese <clears throat> um, release had the song "Driver" on it, which is a super rare song you don't ever really see played. Uh, System of a Down, Toxicity. Ooh, that almost made my list. A uh, string cheese incident outside and inside. Nice. The bridge, the self-titled album. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Fleet Foxes, the self-titled album from two thousand. Nice. Shit. Those are all great albums. All great stuff to check out. We did it, guys. We did yeah. it. We made it. That was uh, a lot more content than I was expecting. <laughs> right, that was good. awesome. This is a three-hour and forty-minute episode, guys. <laughs> all right. No, 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 no. It's two hours and forty minutes, Mark. Because uh, we started at nine thirty, right? Yeah, uh, we can cut my, out my timer says three hours and 40 minutes. Because we started at 9.30. It's not 12.30 yet. Yeah, how's it even been three hours since it started? 
You are a new kind of drunk. You're adding numbers onto oh, you. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. That's weird. I don't, I don't get it. I, don't. I got nothing. Pro Tools says three hours and 40 minutes. Hey, you went to school for audio engineering. I, start, I, started, I started recording before you guys signed into the episode. For yeah, an that's, hour? That's what I Not for an hour, though. For like 15 